everybody, and welcome to The Last Ones In, where being late to the party isn't a bad thing. I am your host, Jariah Archuleta. Right in front of me, we have Robbie. Hello. And right next to him, we have E. Hello. And then on the other side of Colorado, we have my sister again, Samantha Archuleta, joining us via the internet. Hi. Wow, you're talking really fast today. Yeah, thank hey, you're, you. Hey, you're on full-on radio announcer today. I did so much coke. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, full-on radio announcer. <laughs> And this week, the movie that we're going to be taking a look at is The Deer Hunter. From what I understand, is a beloved movie. I've not seen it, actually. Yeah, I think... I don't know. Have you seen it, Sam? No, I don't believe so. Yeah, I think I might be the only one who's seen it so far. And I watched this movie to do research for this episode, actually. Wow, you didn't even ask I me know, if you seen it. what the hell? <laughs> Have you seen it, Eve? I've played it. I don't think there's a game adaptation <laughs> yeah, of this. Yeah, they're in all the arcades. No. Yeah, it's always like in the middle, like Deer Hunter, and they got the shotguns. That's a Cabela's. Yeah, I think you're thinking of Cabela's. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I've I've uh I've seen talk of a bunch of different stuff in this movie, and I know a couple scenes that happen in it just because it kind of rolls into the zeitgeist of cinema. But right, uh, this movie has been intimidated and parodied a lot. Yes, it has. But before we really start talking about it. Let's uh, head on over to E right away. Hi. What's been going on in your life? I have taken time to actually work on my personal game for once. I've nice. drawn some sprites. Yay. Uh, My fucking apartment's annoying as usual. Still? Yeah. Um, They were like, hey, we're not going to be there, but we're going to leave the amenities open. So if you want, you can go to the gym and stuff. All their what? doors are still locked. You can't get in. <laughs> So <laughs> you can go there and look, though. Yeah, I guess. Like there is a gym, and it is there, so it is an amenity. Therefore, you have it, <laughs> even if you can't access it. Yeah, so wow. that was that was dumb. Other than that, not much. Uh, beat Bug Fables, match finally. Oh, Bug Fables, the uh, Paper Mario one. Yeah, Paper Mario, but with bugs. Which I mean, hmm. that's a good selling point. Yeah, that's all that's, their. That was their has- selling point, and okay. they sold a lot. Yeah, that's all their selling point has to be. It's just in the description. Hey, you remember Paper Mario? What if that but bugs? Yeah, great game. Uh, I put 40 hours into that, so Holy that's fuck. pretty good. Wow. Yeah. You still on that Animal Crossing kick? Yeah, I'm at 175. I'm starting to get to the burn point where mm-hmm. I only play like an hour a day. That's still so much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not really. I wish I had I mean, an hour a day to play a game. You can if you wake up early. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, it's starting to kind of slow down. Quite a bit where I just kind of do the main stuff and then log off. Yeah, I think that's kind of like the natural point of Animal Crossing. Yeah. Because eventually you just kind of fall off into a thing and then every now and again you just check on it. It's like, man, I can't believe I'm getting tired after 175 hours though. Oh, (laughs) Those are rookie numbers. You got to pump those numbers. That is so insane to me. Find all the time in your day if you wake up early. (laughs) I mean, it's one of those crazy things though too. Like I remember like, I think four years ago, whenever I like first bought Rocket League out of all games, which is a game you can play for like ten minutes at a time, and like there's people like at that time had like two to three thousand hours on that game. I think that game is insanely replayable online, just because the matches go so fast. Right. Anything else going on in your life? Not particularly. No. Cool. Let's go move on over to uh, Robbie. Yeah. What's up? Uh, uh, Still getting used to the new job a little bit. Um. It's, once again, Vampire Shift, but slightly different hours, so I'm somewhat getting used to that. However, like an early morning vampire. <laughs> no, actually somewhat later vampire. Oh. 
Uh, my shift starts at 11 o'clock at night, and I don't get off work until about 7 a.m. But that also means that the sun's not in my eyes whenever I'm going to work or whenever I'm going home. I mean, but uh, there's that. And uh, my boss asked me if I would work some overtime. So I actually worked yesterday. I don't understand you humans and your overtime. I mean, money. Yeah. So it's like I could afford seven pizzas if I work a bit overtime. And then it's like that. It's like, well. But you wouldn't need to eat all those pizzas if you weren't out of all that energy from working all that overtime. I would eat seven pizzas regardless. Let's be real. (laughs) You're like, seven pizzas on the agenda. It's just whether or not I can afford to buy the seven pizzas. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, other than that, just uh, working, watching movies. I think I need to pick up another game at some point in time, which also being said, I did buy E's game. I just, the the one that he was working with for school. And what would the name of that game be, E? (laughs) Minor Inconvenience. M-I-N-E-R Inconvenience. On it's too long to Continue, Robbie. <laughs> Not a whole lot more to say other than that, though, but if of anything, we should probably go and ask Sam, how are you doing? Yeah, what about me? <laughs> yeah, what about you? What about <laughs> tell us, you? Tell us all about it. We're here to listen to you. How's the liquor store? What's it like being pagan? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um... I've been doing all right. Don't really want to talk about work because that's just work and I don't want to talk about it. Um, (laughs) Today's pretty good. Yesterday I painted a bookshelf and that took me like five hours and my back was killing me. What color? Black and red. Nice. The same color as everything (laughs) else in her life. Including her hair. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) True. My hair is black and red. (laughs) Mm, Listen to the new... Paradise Lost album. That's really good. Great album. Check it out. <laughs> I've never even heard of them. They're like a gothic metal band. Um, since you want to know so much, uh, yes, my herb garden is doing pretty good, actually. Um, everything's coming in quite nicely. Nice. So I'll have some herbs to what, use. Which herbs? And cooking. <laughs> Do you have green, which red, herbs? yellow? Yeah, what, like oregano, what you got? No, I, I planted basil, chives, cilantro, and mint. Those are all green. Are chives an herb? I feel like that's just yeah. a vegetable. Yeah, that's an herb. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's like a small onion, kind of. Yeah, and what's an onion? A root. Yeah. You're a root. <laughs> um, there's not really anything else in my life except for plants and music. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> just... I don't. Know. 420, please <laughs> it. Oh, I'm here. <laughs> How is the esteemed man of many hairs himself? I have so many hairs. Uh, that's, that's great. Cool. Things are going great. I am adding on to my 4K collection still. All seven movies that are in 4K right now. Yeah. I, there's so many more. There's so many. There's hundreds. Hundreds of them, goddammit. And I want all of them. I don't want all of them, actually. There's some movies that don't Even the look... bad ones. Yeah, he's getting Trolls 2 and 4K. <laughs> Joke's on you. That's not out yet. But it would probably look really good in 4K, actually, so maybe. I don't know. That's a good idea, E. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a great time collecting all these. It's nice. fun. It's About like to a... have a new bookshelf in uh, this next week to you put won, all the new movies. You won that argument? I got that one, yeah. Can't <laughs> have your old bookshelf. No, because I still need that one. What did your wife get in return? Two bookshelves. Uh, 
Never mind. He might still be working on that one. <laughs> Two pizzas. Yeah, that's what we call them. Pizzas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh getting all my sound stuff set perfectly, all my all the all the pictures set perfectly for everything. And uh put a couple more hours into Final Fantasy Seven Remake. I still don't like that game. <laughs> so definitely gonna put twenty more into it, I guess. Yeah, I, I love can't do the... that. <laughs> if I hate a game, I'm done. Yeah, I... yeah, I love how you're going about that. Like, God, this I fucking hate everything about this game. Let's see what happens next. I don't know. I have a problem. He hates the anti-capitalistic nature of the game. It's true. I love capitalism. Yep. That's what I always tell everybody. Which is why he's rebuying all of his movies in 4K. Yeah, actually. Yeah, actually. <laughs> he might have a point here. <laughs> anyway. I think that means it's time for us to get on to uh, talking a little bit about this movie. Take it from here, Robbie. So, uh, I think we'll probably just go with the usual and go with E first. <laughs> all right. E, what do you think this movie's about? Okay, there is this man, and he is known as the deer hunter because he likes to hunt deers. Okay, that's a good... Uh, one time, he takes his young sport deer hunting with him, <laughs> and his sport gets lost, but he thinks he hears a deer, and he he winds up his shot, and then, oh no, he shot his son! And then it's just him dealing with the fact that he shot his son for the rest of the movie. I'd watch that movie. Yeah, I'd watch that movie too, actually. There's actually a movie very similar to that. Is it called um, The Deer actually... Hunter? <laughs> I don't remember what it's called, but it's on Netflix, and I, I know it's not in English, so I don't know if you actually want to read it. <laughs> we like subtitles here. Yeah. I'm a subtitle. Yeah. We are pro subs over dubs. I was going to say, isn't that an episode of The Walking Dead also? It is. I sure haven't seen it. I don't. <laughs> it's also a large part of the house that Jack built, but that's not an accident. He just straight up shoots his kids and his wife. Ah. Wear your orange vests, people. Yeah. Nature won't be able to tell the difference, but people will. I'd be impressed if you can make a vest out of live cicadas. Yeah, that would be pretty impressive. That would be horrifying. <laughs> it would. That should be like a new horror monster, Cicada Man, and he just is, he's just walking cicadas. And it's like terrifying because like as you get near, you like hear some distant cicadas like, oh, cool. They got like cicadas here. And then it just gradually gets louder and they like you start noticing they're offbeat of each other too. That would genuinely be horrifying. Yeah, it would. <laughs> All right, uh, if any producers are listening and want want the new hit blockbuster hit, but you can't cuz there's no movies out right now. There you go. Uh, I'll be Cicada fair. Man. I think you just thought up of a new Silent Hill boss. There we go. <laughs> All right. Who's next after my impeccable retelling of the movie? Uh, I think we'll go from right to left. Try what do you so, think this movie's about? Yeah, like I said, there's a couple things that I know for sure happen in it just because I watch a lot of movies and yeah. it's referenced a ton and in pop culture it's everywhere. There are a lot of movie buffs that reference this movie, yeah. especially like directors who were inspired by this movie and so on and so forth. Yeah, so this is one that's been in kind of like my uh my backlog, I would say. Okay. And uh yeah, so I know a beat here or two or a couple of plot points. Ultimately though, war. It's about war and what what is even good for war has on you. What is it good for? Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Ooh ah. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> that's your entire synopsis? <laughs> that's it. That's what it's I got. About war. Yeah. Um so it is probably about war, but I would like it to be about a guy and he has his family and he says he is going to go hunting for deer. But in reality, he's actually hunting for man. So he's a man hunter. <laughs> it's the most dangerous game. 
the most dangerous game of all. That's a different movie. Oh, that's, not a, that's a story. That's an actual. That's a movie. It's a book. But yeah, it's a movie. It too? started off as a movie. It started off as a book, but it, it became off a movie. As a movie and became a book. And now it's time for the back of the box. Winner of five Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Director, one of AFI's top 100 movies of all time, The Deer Hunter follows a group of Pennsylvania steelworkers from their blue-collar lives hunting in the woods to the hells of Southeast Asia during the Vietnam War. Academy Award winner Robert De Niro and Christopher Walken star in this unforgettable saga of friendship and courage. Experience the brutality of war and the depths of emotional strain on the human spirit in this extraordinary, powerful film classic. Okay, so... Nom. I mean, there's hunting. Yeah, there, there actually <laughs> is deer hunting. Like, so he got that part right. Yep. I knew it. I was correct. And they do and kind then of there's hunt. man hunting. Yeah, they do yeah, kind yeah, of hunt. Yeah. Man. So if you just combined me and Sam's movies, you got this movie. Yeah, That's close. What it sounds like. <laughs> I will say this, though. If you guys, if, yeah, if the guys who are listening do want to watch this movie with us, it is a little bit harder to get on streaming services. Uh, there isn't like an actual just like, you know, if you have a st- streaming subscription that you can watch this movie that I know of. It, but there are the usual suspects. You can watch it on Amazon Prime, YouTube, Google Play, and Vudu for three ninety nine. Yeah, we're running into a lot of those recently of just stuff that's not on streaming services. Yeah, uh, I know a couple movies that we have planned further on. Like they are on streaming services, but there are a couple. Like I think because this movie is so renowned and it's such a classic, I think it's one of those like they hold on to it just a little bit more. That's fair. I didn't know it had all of the awards that it did actually. Yeah. So that's. Like, the fact it's our AFI, like, I think that was a list that was composed sometime in the 90s. But, yeah, it's considered to be one of their top 100 oh. movies ever made. I think it's actually pretty high up on the list, too. It's, like, number, I think, five or six on Damn. that list. Well, it's a good thing they didn't make it in the 2010s because, you know, number one would have to be for certain <laughs> NNA's big picture show. And then yeah. why even bother with the list at that I mean, point? I do have problems with that list because, like, the movies they have on there are good. But I don't know if I agree with number one on that list because number one is Jaws. I don't know. That changed what movies are. It did, but like, I don't know. I guess that that just might be my personal take on Jaws, though. Yeah, too, I haven't seen it, so I can't give a educated opinion. But uh, I think that means it's time to go and watch this movie, right? Yeah. And uh, just to warn you guys, this is a long one. This movie is three hours and four minutes long. Great! Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When's the best time to nap during? I'm not going to lie, probably the first hour. <laughs> oh, God. I guess being the only person who's seen this, my personal opinion, this is a movie, like, it's kind of the same way that Drya explained Hereditary to me. This movie is very slow up until it's not. And I think, like, I'm not going to say yet because we'll get into it whenever we, <laughs> after we watch the movie. All right, three hours. Here we go. And uh, just to keep you guys informed, we're, uh, we're still sticking with that new format that we talked about last week. It's going to be a little loosey-goosey. We're going to talk about whatever we want. Uh... If it happens to fall inside of the plot of the movie, that's cool, too. Yeah. We'll be back in, I guess, three hours. Three hours our time, and then just a few moments in yours. (laughs) All right. (laughs) We're going to be right back, guys. Talk to you in a little bit. And we are back from uh, that film, that very, very long film. Let's jump right into it so we can get to the fun discussion part. E, what'd you think of that movie? Um it's not a bad movie for sure. Uh I don't know if I liked it. 
kind of mixed feelings with it. Kind of. Um, I it's definitely too long. I, yeah, I can yeah, say fair. that for a yeah. fact. Uh huh. Yep. Uh, there are parts I thought were dumb. <laughs> but again, I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's just not my kind of movie. Is a big issue with it. I feel like it's ninety percent of the movies we watch on this podcast. <laughs> I've liked a couple. Uh, the actors did an actoring job in it. Was... What does that mean? <laughs> no, I, actually, the all the actors were pretty fit for the roles, which is pretty good. Um, I think there's too many characters. That's another thing. But yeah, um, stuff I like, stuff I didn't like. I guess that's the takeaway from what I said. All right, and would you buy, rent, stream, oh, yeah. or a pass on this film? Um, stream, I guess. I don't okay. know if you're like, I I have three hours to spare and would like to watch a war movie. That's only like a third of war movie. <laughs> I think that's that, that you could do that. Yeah, it's not much of a war movie for being a war movie. Yeah, so stream, I guess, which is really hard in this day and age, apparently. But apparently. In, in, at least for this movie in particular. Yeah, in a theoretical world where everything's available for streaming, I would say stream it. Okay. And uh, Sam, what about you? All right. So um, I wrote a very long-winded review <laughs> of this movie, just about as long as this movie. Um, <laughs> Sounds like what I did. Which I will get into. I will absolutely get into it. Um <laughs> That so you have fun. a lot of opinions about it. Yeah, um, I did. You could say that, right? Okay. <laughs> That's going to be interesting. What I did learn is that war, it never changes. <laughs> and, the, and the hardest war I had to fight today was not falling asleep while I was watching this fucking movie. So... Wow. <laughs> Oof, that's not a glowing review. No, no, it's not. <laughs> I will say you nailed like the newspaper review though. Yeah. Like that's ex- that's exactly oh, the I line. I have pages. Yeah. I have pages right here. <laughs> I'll get into it. Um, <laughs> I also learned that Russian roulette was a very popular pastime in the 60s and 70s and everyone was playing it. So, <laughs> it must have been, right? At least yeah. in Vietnam. <laughs> So honestly, yeah, I'm going to give it a pass. Woo. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's not, I'm not saying that it's a bad movie. I think it's a very good movie, but I have my reasons. So okay. I'll get that's, to it. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a, uh, I really want to hear that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. That, uh, since I'm the other person who hasn't really seen this movie, I guess I'll go now. Spoiler free. I think this movie Deserves all the awards that it got for the time that it got them. So, interesting thing that I wanted to get into in my review is that, funnily enough, this movie did not do well in screenings. And this was one of the first movies to be actually marketed as a Oscar bait movie. This is something that I sort of thought about while I was watching the movie, because I was like, yeah, this is 100% Oscar bait movie. And I had to look it up to see if it won any Oscars. Apparently it won like nine or something like that. It, it was nominated <laughs> for nine different Oscars. Yeah. The Oscar for yeah, most Oscars. Absolutely. But this is like 
an actual Oscar beat movie. <laughs> so <laughs> that's one of my problems. Yeah, I do think it deserves the awards, but yeah, it's definitely trying to force something out of you, which is nice in some cases, but then also this one, I don't know. I think, it, so here's the thing. I think it needed to be as long as it is in order for you to get the emotional impact on some of the things, but I also think that it doesn't need to be that long at the same time. So like, I'm struggling. I'm having an internal struggle with myself on like what I think. That's it should it's have honestly been. very fair, but yeah, it, it's I could tell while you're watching the movie that you're having very much of a you wanted to like this movie but at the same time you're having issues with it. Yeah. I think that for how much of everything in this movie did end up in the zeitgeist of general pop culture and films and just discussions about films. I think it's worth going and at least renting and taking a look at it and really sitting down in a quiet space, in a dark space, and just watching it and letting yourself take it all in and hopefully not falling asleep. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, um, if I were watching this movie alone, I would I, I would honestly have a really difficult time not staring at my phone for most of this movie. Yeah, like, I'm not going to lie. I I did some some a few things while I was watching this movie. <laughs> I set up my bookshelf. I got all that set up and it looks nice. Painted it again. <laughs> I, I could have. Went to the store, bought some books I'm... for the bookshelf, came back. It was the third <laughs> act. Went on a 27-day hunger strike. <laughs> so, like, halfway through the movie, I started writing my review. <laughs> Like these motherfuckers, <laughs> and I, I, yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is one of those movies that would look really great in 4K if they did a full remaster on it. But how unfortunate that there's only seven 4K movies out there. God and they damn didn't it, choose not. this one. <laughs> um, the other thing is though, if you've seen this movie. I can't imagine you ever watching this movie again. Right. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on the rent thing. Is because like you rent it, you get 48 hours, you watch it, and then you can you never look back at it again, right? So yeah, what do you think, Robbie? I'm somewhat in the same boat as you guys, honestly. And this is a movie that I do own. I did buy it, and I bought it without actually seeing it beforehand. But I knew it was a very well praised film too, and. While doing research for the movie, I found out the movie, like Sam said, is a very criticized movie, too. And the way that I see it, like, I'm on board with a lot of people because, like, the for modern day standards, there's a lot of people who say, like, this movie had a lot of praise, but it had a lot of criticism. And in all honesty, it deserved both because during its time, it did get a lot of both. There's a lot of people who love this movie and a lot of people who hated this movie. And in a sense, there's a discussion to be made about this movie because of that, because there's such a love and hate feel for this movie. There's not a lot of people who are watching and say like, yeah, it was okay. Like it's either like they, they hated the way that they villainized, uh, the uh, Vietnamese people in the movie. And they also, uh, loved it because of the story that it told. But, uh, yeah. And we'll get into a lot of that when it gets to the spoiler discussion too. But like, this has been on the AFI's list of like the great, one of the greatest movies ever made. Uh, since the 90s and it's I think they redid the list in 2007 and it's still on that list hmm. what a weird year to redo a list like that I mean you gotta choose a year right yeah <laughs> but like seven such a like it's not like the end of a decade or anything to 
I don't know, maybe it was like their anniversary. Maybe. Maybe. But yeah, like I will say this movie is definitely at least worth a watch. It's worth a watch. It's worth discussing with someone that's seen the movie too and kind of getting different thoughts. Because as we're seeing right now, even in this room, there's a lot of different thoughts about what we thought of this movie. I honestly did enjoy this movie, but it's I do agree. It's something I can't see people like watching over and over again. I'm sure there are some people who can, but and they're weird. Well, this is a very emotionally draining movie, too. So it's not exactly something that, you know, you just kind of put on and, you know, watch whenever kind of thing. But it is something it's I feel like it's definitely at least worth the experience. I'd say it's at least a rent. Yeah. But that is all our thoughts. out Yeah, like all the non spoilery spoilery thoughts, even though there was a little bit of spoileriness in it. But it's 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 really it's really hard to talk about this movie (laughs) without getting into like the nitty gritty of it. Yeah. So this one is honestly what I would say is take our opinions on this. Maybe go on to a review aggregator site like Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. Check what a couple of reviews say. Um, If you have, like, a YouTube personality that you follow that you like their opinion on, see if they have a review on the movie and see what they think of it. I don't don't know. This is kind of the thing that you have to know if you're going to like or not, I think, or else no matter what, you're going to come out feeling some sort of negative way. Or hell, just going raw. Or going raw. raw. Like, E. (laughs) He just loves going in raw. Yeah, that's how I do everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't know. This this one is... I think it would have had a a bigger effect on me if I didn't know what was going to happen. If I didn't know the the classic scenes that I know. Like, yeah, I was going to say, if if you lived back in 1978 and you watched this movie without knowing anything about it. Yeah, it would be shocking. It would Mm -hmm. be extremely shocking. Yeah, and I think in some ways, even by today's standards, this movie is still considered to be shocking. Yeah, I could see it. I could see why. But in order for us to really talk about this movie, we're going to have to go into spoilers. It's going to be all over the place. It's going to be hectic. It's going to be fun. Please join us if you would, if you're all interested in hearing us talk about it. But we'll be right back, guys. Talk to you in a second. And we're back for the spoiler discussion, everybody. This is going to be a doozy. Yeah. I feel like the biggest thing we should say right now, though, which I think is something everyone in this room could probably agree on, is like the first act of this movie is just way too long. It does yeah. not have to be an hour long. I don't know, man. It like, literally is an hour long. <laughs> yeah, it's an, I timed it. It's an hour and eight minutes to be exact. God. Here's the thing, though. Like, yeah, the first act is super fucking long. But also, I feel like unless you have that connection with those friends, you don't really feel like when things start to go to shit. Well, the thing is, is, you get that connection with the friends. Like, a large majority of that is the wedding itself. Yeah, the wedding could have been shortened. Yeah, the yeah, wedding, like, like, 51 minutes of that is the wedding. Holy shit, are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. That's what I looked up online. They were like, yeah, like, 51 minutes of it. But uh, the thing Fuck. about that, like, one, I guess, first fun fact, actually, is... Um, there was just the, actually a wedding, and they just decided to film. And they just filmed at the wedding. <laughs> uh, he did tell the extras to treat it like it was an actual wedding. The actual filming of the wedding was five days long. Holy Fuck shit! Off. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was it's done like in, five days long. Yeah, yeah. That that's actually very fair. Like that's whenever I first watched this movie, that's what I kept on thinking is like this first part is just way too long. But yeah, like a large majority of that is just them at or uh, doing the wedding shit. And Jesus, uh, they did it at an actual church. The person who plays the priest is an actual priest that they got for it. It was an actual choir 
that I guess they actually had to sing the same song like 51 times for that scene <laughs> at the wedding. You better have paid him really well. I, Is that I why that so. choir guy was like laughing? Did anybody else Maybe, that? yeah. Like there's that. Like I guess the the director, he's very much like a Kubrick fan. I uh, from what I read about him, like he did a lot of things to try to make it feel more genuine. There's a lot of stuff that probably shouldn't have been in the movie, but he insisted that it should be in the movie. Uh, I, the fun fact I was actually going to say is the editor of this movie originally had that cut down to like 21 minutes, but the director insisted that it had to be longer. I get it. Yeah. Like from an artistic standpoint, I get it. You want to be able to, you want to force that connection on the people, right? Yeah. And at one point or another, if they start to be invested, then they're invested the first five minutes, right? Right. After like getting to know these characters even a little bit, their first lines of dialogue, you're either invested or you're not. Exactly. And so no matter how long that first act is, it doesn't really matter because you're either going to care or you won't. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like you get a sense of caring for the characters at the bar, which is not even a five minute long scene. Yeah. yeah. Like you've both, and, like, both bar scenes at the start tell you everything you need to know about this character, who each of them are, what each of them acts like. Yeah. Like I feel like for how long he wanted that scene to be, because I know that like, the idea of that was it's supposed to be like this giant extravagant wedding and it's supposed to be like their last hurrah before they go off to war and they have to make it special for each other and everything because this is maybe the last time they get to see each other as friends kind of thing. Cause, and that was very much a real thing for people who went off to war, whether it was Vietnam or World War II or the war in Iraq or the war in Afghanistan. Like I'm sure things like this really happen wherever like they just had three days where they celebrated and partied and you know, try to show each other how much they love each other because this may be the last time they see each other. And so, like, I get the, like Dry said, the artistic feeling of it. I get it. But they didn't have to. And I feel like the fact that the director fought for it was just, it. Uh, I can't agree with him on how, like, for him making, especially the wedding scene, I can't agree with him making it that long. Yeah, like, the thing I'll say is what he did really well in this is that that whole first act is just getting to know the group of friends, right? Yeah. So I think the thing he did really well is the chaos of having that group of friends. Like, if everybody's had a huge group of friends that they hang out with and do a bunch of dumb stuff with at any point, there's just this feeling of chaos every now and again, of, like, everybody's kind of off doing their own thing, and they're having their own conversations, but there's this bigger goal in mind. Right. And so I feel like at the wedding, you get to see that kind of group mentality of, like, even at my own wedding, I feel like I, I had that kind of same feeling of, like, we're all, it's one big group and we're doing our own thing, but also we'll come together and do this bigger thing and then we grow and split apart and do our own thing. And like, I feel like it captured that chaos of that really well. Man, I, no, it didn't need to be that long, but at the same time, I think that's actually the best part of the movie. Okay. I kind of have to agree. I don't and know. also Russian weddings are wild as hell. Yeah, yes. I kept wondering, like, why, why didn't we have a Catholic Russian wedding? He actually asked Liz that a couple of times during that scene. And then I was like, yeah, you want to get hoisted up onto the stage and then have people shout at you to jump over a piece of beer? And then I decided no. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, While we're at the start, there is another thing. So there's this weird, like, so, I don't even want to call it a subplot because it's so small. We're like, the mother doesn't like the woman the son's dating. It doesn't yeah. go anywhere, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, there was a sl- uh, subplot for that, and it's something that I saw in the trivia, which is why, like, towards the end of the wedding, I was like, oh, my God, I fucking get it now. Had to and cut it out to fit more wedding in, though, you yeah, know? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> is, it, is it the pregnancy? Or is it that has to spoilers? do with the pregnancy, yes. Yeah, I thought so. Because what it is, um, I guess, another fun fact, and it's, like, it's just not in the movie very much. And, like, I feel like they could have spent a couple of seconds explaining this because 
it feels like they were going to, or maybe they even did, but they, it, for some reason it got cut out of the, th- the movie. And they spent so much time trying to show how extravagant this wedding was that they forgot to put the fucking scene in between because like i said apparently there was a huge fight between the editor of this movie and the director of this movie which yeah i could see the editor getting pissed like if we're just gonna keep all of it in why am i even fucking here yeah it would have been a fucking like seven day movie yeah probably (laughs) so here's the thing editor peter zinner was given because like i said this was done on 70 millimeter film if you if you were to take the film and just lay it out in like one big long direction there was six hundred thousand feet of print that he had to go through to edit this movie Jesus Christ. Yeah. Which was a monumental task at the time, which I feel even now that's that's a gigantic task to ask someone to do, especially considering like the filming and the processing and stuff like that. Like uh I guess it was 11 months altogether. They had 30 days to write the movie or to like write the script for the movie, and then they had 6 months to like film it, and then for doing like the sound and the editing, they had another 5 months. God. Jeez. Yeah. And what? eventually he was able to cut it down to 18,000 feet, which is the 3 hours that they had on it, but yeah, he didn't want it to be as long as it was, but uh, Michael Seminaro, I don't know why I put an R in there, <laughs> Semino, like, yeah, he just really needed to be that or what it was. And I guess at one point in time, like, he even fired the editor on that. And then the editor actually won, like, one of the awards that this movie won was for best editing. And then <laughs> the director tried to say that he fired him and he did all the editing himself, like, he was oh, very much, wow. yeah, he was trying, like, there's a lot of things that other people did in this movie that... After they did their task, he fired them and said he did it. That was one of them. Fuck him. Yeah. Fuck off. He, do- he does not seem like he'd be a very good person to work with. No, that sounds awful. Fired the actors. Yep, I get the best actor award. <laughs> it's super shitty. It's it, super It was a shitty. super shitty move for him to do. He also, apparently the guy who screen wrote the movie, he did something very, very similar. Like the guy wrote the script and then he fired him and said that he wrote the script. I hate this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking hate this director. But, um... Anyways, what we were trying to get to, though, is um, it was generally believed that Stephen was not the father of Angela's baby due to his remark that he never really did it with Angela. Because he does say that, like, whenever they go out to the car and they're saying, like, hey, fuck you to Stanley, it's because Stanley was saying, like, oh, she's pregnant. That's why they're getting married during that scene. And then they go out to the scene and they start telling Stanley, fuck you for saying that. Like, why would you say that at their wedding kind of thing? And then that's whenever uh, Stephen is talking to Nick and says, like, hey, I... I never really made it with Angela. Like, that's really my last big secret. And it's like, okay, that that's fine. That's cool. It's whatever, you know? It's like, what happens when she has the baby? I didn't pick up on that at all. Yeah, I didn't pick up... When I first watched that movie, I did not pick up on that at all. And then that's why, like, during that scene, I kind of had that, oh my God moment. I just saw, I was like, oh yeah, she's pregnant. I was like, okay, so that's the big thing. Yeah, that's one thing that's generally believed is that uh, he's not the father. Like, the reason why he married her was so that way she could save her dignity from being an unmarried mother. That was dropped real fucking quick, huh? Yeah, yeah. that was. And, like, like that, that would have been a subplot that would, in my opinion, made the movie more interesting, but it it weirdly got halfway cut in the movie. Huh. And That's apparently weird. the only time that they actually even really talked about it was the special edition DVD that was released in 2005, which apparently was only available in the UK. I feel like for everything that's interesting at this beginning scene, there's, like, at least for every minute of something interesting, there's at least 10 minutes of something that doesn't really need to be there. Yeah. Um, one way that I sort of describe this movie is um, a lot happens at the same time. It feels like not a lot happens. <laughs> if that's a good way to put it. I feel like a good example of that, like even like besides the wedding, uh, whenever they're going out to have like their last deer hunt together, 
and that scene wherever like you know they drive away and leave their friend behind and then they stop the car turn back around to go pick him up and then leave off again and then turn back around to pick him up again that could have been like maybe a five minute long joke but it goes on for like 15 minutes it feels like well the problem is it could have been a 15 second joke and it went on for five minutes right (laughs) like that could have literally been like they drive off and then stop really quick and then he walks up and goes, that's not funny. And then they drive off again, like maybe another 10 feet and then he tells them to knock it off and then gets in the car. Yeah. That's you what don't it could even have need been. The, you just need the first part because yeah. that already sets the joke. Like it's just, they made the same joke five times yeah. essentially. It works and then it stops working. Exactly. Yeah. I think there's some scenes in this movie that go on way too long and some I scenes agree. that don't go on long enough. It's a weird balance and i feel like there's so much fluff that they could have cut out on this movie and it we it would have gotten its point across right that's my opinion it didn't have to be three hours long yeah so like for me the thing about this movie is i honestly think it would have been a more poignant and more mysterious movie if you had that first act and then you see them maybe 30 seconds fighting in vietnam and then you have the third act you don't. If you didn't see anything that happened to them, I feel like it would have been so much better, because it would have added this air of mystery to it, and this air of like, they're fucked up and nobody knows why and nobody knows what happened to them, because they never tell anybody. And right. I feel like we could have been put into the shoes yeah. of those normal civilians instead of being taken along the ride with them. And I think that would have been more powerful. I feel like I'm kind of in between with that. I feel like it would have been better if like you know the first act and then it's or it's Michael coming back from the war and you know he's fucked up and no one knows exactly why and it just kind of shows clips of what happened to him throughout it kind of like yeah yeah i could see that yeah the first act of this movie is just getting to know this group i think man i hate saying this i think you guys are right we only needed maybe a couple minutes of the wedding and i think everything else could have been left alone in that first act yeah yeah because like if you just had them at the bar at the start maybe 10 minutes of this wedding maybe there's so much that yeah. doesn't matter in this wedding. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Then you have them going hunting and then them meeting back at the bar before they leave. Yeah. That's a beautiful first act. You can so, see yeah. the whole arc. And yeah. like here's the thing, like I watching it the second time, I got a very good sense of what was important in this first act. The first act what's important is them, you know, at the steel mill that five like you know maybe maybe a minute of people you know congratulating them and telling them good luck in the war. Is that what they were doing? The I thought they yeah, just that was like, apparently uh, did that at the end of their work. Just yeah, like, that, hey, well, you guys, was, whoa! Well, that was like the <laughs> whole idea of that was that was their last day of work before they went off to Vietnam. And so everyone is telling them, like, you know, good luck out there. You know, mm. come back safe. Also, while we're at the steel mill, we're talking about that. Mm-hmm. When they're in the locker rooms, what's up with the strings of all their stuff that they pull up to the yeah, ceiling? Like, when they also have lockers. Yeah, they're like, uh, have it lower. Maybe they're scared of fires somehow. I guess. I don't know. It's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't even notice that, I, I'll be honest with you. I guess I missed that part because I was paying attention to all the old man ass. Well, it's right before <laughs> the old man ass. So what happens is, like, they go to their lockers and then they just have to, like, rope down their stuff. Yeah. You know, they don't I put it in the locker. see that at all. I must have, like, glanced away at that part. True, it's <laughs> so <laughs> awkward yeah, looking. Like, maybe, they could, maybe they didn't have the right to open the locker. I don't know. Maybe they filmed that well, in an actual steel mill yeah, and that, there were people stuffing stuff. So that, that is yeah. another fun fact. Uh, that was at, at an actual steel mill, I guess, because Robert De Niro did a lot of weird shit like this back in his heyday, is he actually worked at a steel mill for a little while to, like, kind of get into character. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, and apparently, like, they just, like, oh, yeah, this is Bob. Bob's going to be working with us at the steel mill. 
but uh, he did, or him and Michael, uh, the director, went around and like you know they were trying to look for places that seemed like they it felt right for the movie. And I guess another fun fact, if I can find it again, um, the guy who plays Axel, he was apparently just the foreman at the steel mill where they did the filming of that, and they liked him so much that they put him in the movie. Was Axel the one with the pedo stash? <laughs> no, 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 no. That was the big guy that said fucking A all the time. Okay, okay. Is that why that's all he says? Maybe. Because <laughs> he's not actually an actor. <laughs> he was after this movie. Uh, fair, yeah. <laughs> but so, um, Since I brought it up, yeah. what's up with the guy with the half head of hair and the pedo stash? We can go into that a little bit. because well, he, like, right? yeah, he doesn't have the pedo stash yet. Yeah, he no. doesn't have the pedo stash yeah. yet, but that's just one of the actors that they felt like uh, the chemistry worked best for whatever scene they're coming with, which apparently you agreed with. Like you were saying that like all the scenes where they were together and just being a bunch of assholes to each other, that just felt like a bunch of friends gathering together. I, yeah. I feel like he just was an asshole. Like, I don't get why they like this guy. I don't see any, like, what's, I, he doesn't seem like he has many redeeming qualities. I mean, he gropes women's. He makes out with people's wives. He is a dick to everyone, including his friends. I mean, they're all kind of like camaraderie dicks with each other, but like he just streams like a dick dick to people. Like, Maybe. I don't, I just don't get like why they let this guy, why they hang out with this guy. Oh no, their group reminded me of my high school group. Yeah. Which Weren't is. they dicks? Yes. Yes. <laughs> which is a condemnation and some, me saying like, hey, good job. You did the group thing right. I don't, maybe it's I don't just know. I don't like hanging out with dicks. It's probably is, true. Um, I was going to wait for to say this until later, but uh, the guy who played him, um, they actually had to fight to actually have him on the movie. But part of the reason why wasn't because like they felt like he was off. Like They felt like he was a good character choice, but he was actually fighting cancer at the time. Well, now I'm an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. Now we're the dicks. Yeah. But um, he almost didn't make it on the movie because they felt because he was fighting cancer, he was uninsurable for the oh, movie. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> And uh, apparently Robert De Niro actually had to pay for his insurance to get him on this movie. Wow. Yeah. Which I felt was a very commendable thing for him to do to make sure that he got on this movie. movie company should do that. (laughs) They should, but they felt he was uninsurable. And if they feel someone's uninsurable, they won't put them on the movie. And like speaking of insurance, to have the the actors go into an actual steel mill because of how fucking dangerous it is. I guess they had to pull out like a $5 million insurance policy for the actors. Oof. (laughs) Just for like those couple of seconds that they're in the steel mill. Nice. Yeah. Just don't film it in a real steel <laughs> mill. So, about, get, well, so they were willing to do $5 million for the steel mill, but they weren't willing to insure this guy who had cancer. Pretty much. Cool. Because well, that's, fuck them. that's producers for you, actually, especially back in the 70s and 80s. What they care about is making their uh, investment back. Bottom line. But yeah, that's also why, because that's something that Dry said about the second half of this movie when he grew the mustache is... He looks so much older than everybody else in this movie, and that's the reason why is because he was going through cancer at the time. Sad thing about it is, um, like he did make it to finishing the movie, but he never got to see the theatrical release. He died before it came out. Oh shit! Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I just feel yeah. Bad. Now I feel like an asshole. Yeah. I hope you do. Feel bad, <laughs> both of you. <laughs> but um. Anyways. I still say it. I don't like his character, but no, that, that that's sucks. fair. I don't think he's meant to be a likable character in the movie. I think he's yeah. kind of like because. It kind of goes with that everybody has a dick in their friends group, and he was that guy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I feel like for this first act of the movie, the most important parts is like, you know, all of them kind of bonding together at the bar, showing how much of friends that they all are and how happy they are with each other. Maybe five to ten minutes of this wedding. The fact that Linda has an abusive father and therefore moves into the trailer while they're gone at Vietnam. Actually, that's not really that vital 
either, I'd it's argue. It's kind of vital because, like, it kind of shows, like, the relationship between her and Nick. And, like, that, and the fact that she felt like she needed to get away from where she was and why, that's why she was living at their place while they were but gone. But I feel like there, there, you could come up with a million reasons why she would just live there. I feel like they could have justified that also because at the wedding he asks, like, Hey, will you marry me? Yeah, She's and like, that yeah. is another important part too. Yeah, like, and so, like, she—that could have been the justification for her moving in too. Yeah, she doesn't really like have anything later in the movie. I'd argue that really like exemplifies that. Like, you would think this character who's abused a lot when she leaves that the abuser would try to get her because that's often what happens in these kinds of yeah. situations. But like, her dad's just gone. I think he's in the movie for three minutes. Yeah. If that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing is for like half of the next scenes, she has a black eye. But at the end of the wedding, it kind of looks like it's gone. <laughs> yeah. 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 It kind of does. Bit. Yeah. That's another thing. Kind of, kind of underbaked. I'd argue. Yeah. Yes. That, that's I, fair. That should have been an alternate title for I this movie. Agree. Is underbaked. <laughs> The prequel to Half Bake. <laughs> yes. Nevertheless, it gives her it gives her a reason. It, yes. it there could have been other better reasons, but that's a reason at least. Which I guess another thing about this movie is, uh, the director told her that her character was kind of negligible, and he didn't really write a whole lot of scenes for her. So I guess she actually just made up a lot of her lines. Yeah, I don't like this director at Me all. Either. <laughs> yeah, this director sucks. But yeah. also with Sam bringing up earlier that like this is the first uh, Oscar bait movie. Yeah. It makes total sense that Meryl Streep right, is in exactly. This. Especially if they're Oscar baiting, they're going to try to put as much emotional turmoil in it as possible. And Meryl Streep is exactly. that. That's her entire career is Oscar bait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Is... Um, Oscar bait is pretty much like historically set movies that play on emotions and fears, and people eat that shit up. And this is <laughs> yeah, one of the earliest examples of that. Thing. But um. Part of the reason why is because like apparently this movie was so emotional or had so much emotional turmoil and they actually had test audiences walking out of the theater because they just could not handle this movie that they felt like they had to do the Oscar baiting in order to actually sell the film. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, yeah. yeah. Important but- points. It's like the the fact that the wedding's happening at all. The scene wherever Nick tells Linda that he loves her and that he wants to get married to her when he comes back from the war. The scene wherever they drink from that cup and it's supposed to be good luck if they can drink from the cup and not spill a drop. And then a couple drops spills on uh, Angela during that two scene. Drops. Yeah, so two or three they drops. They get two drops which, of bad luck. <laughs> which another fun fact about that scene is apparently the director obsessed about this scene and they tried to rig the cup to where it would uh, to where when they drank from it, it would just automatically drip. So I think they just kind of like drilled a hole in it so that way it would drip off of her and make it look realistic. And the cup didn't work out quite as well as they wanted, and I guess after the director just lost his shit over it, he uh, they eventually just refilmed it with him standing above her with a ladder and like just dripping wine on her dress. Yeah, yeah, like a fucking sane person would yeah. do. It's also not honor ever. So yeah, this it's fucking a, director yeah, sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which I didn't think about that until I started looking all this up, and I was like, oh, this guy is a Kubrick. Not even Kubrick. <laughs> There's some people who respect Kubrick at least. Yeah. I don't respect this guy at all. To be fair, this is actually considered to be like one of the only respectable movies that he's done too. Great. Which is why you, you don't hear a whole lot about has him. He, done? Uh, he also did uh, Thunderbolt and Lightning Foot, The Deer Hunter, Heaven's Gate, Ear of the Dragon, the Sicilian, Desperate Hour, Sunk Catchers, and Each His Own. Which I think Each His Own was a uh, was a document or uh, documentary about his filmmaking. 
I haven't heard of any of those. Yeah, like Deer Hunter is the only <laughs> thing anyone's ever heard of that he's done. Huh. Like everything else just went underneath the radar. Good. He was a shitty person, I feel. Yeah, I feel the same way. Anyway, so this yeah. first act, uh, something we keep kind of just brushing over is the uh, hunting time. And then, uh, like that scene between Michael and Nick, wherever Nick says, like, don't leave me out there alone. Like, make sure, oh, yeah. like, make sure that we come back together. Like, As Michael like, is sitting there naked, of yeah. course. Yeah. Which I felt like it was a weird direction to have him go streaking afterwards, but. Also, you might be thinking we're joking here. This happens yeah, in the he, movie. He legitimately, like, after the scene, wherever uh, they call Stanley a dick, he runs away and starts taking off all of his clothes and, like, drunkenly streaking yeah. down the street. This is something that seriously happens in the movie. We get to see full blown Robert De Niro dick just. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Swaying in the breeze. <laughs> just swaying in the breeze. <laughs> Actually, it's mostly Bush because it's the seventies. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like lays down on the pavement, and then that seems weird. Yeah. yeah, um, I almost feel like it's just kind of well. I guess another thing we brushed over too is like at the wedding, just some random green beret walks in, and he's clearly dealing with PTSD. Yes, during this team, but all of them just kind of like, hey, fuck that guy, kind of attitude towards him because like it, it's weird. Like, cause... they're like, hey, how about war? And he's yeah. like, fuck, fuck, he it. says fuck it. And they're but, like, how dare you? The guy at that wedding, he's just super fucked up yeah. during this scene. And also, I, why, I guess everyone's at this wedding anyways, but like, he doesn't seem to know anyone. No, he just walked in to, to get a drink. Yeah, and I, why would you go to a church for that? I feel like this was done, like this is the after party or after ceremony. I feel like this was done at a place besides the church. But yeah, I feel like it's one of those, like they had an open bar and he was like, fuck it, free drink. Yeah, maybe, I, I, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like one of those, like, hey, like, you know, these guys are going to Vietnam. You fought in Vietnam. How about a drink kind of thing? So, like, that makes sense for me. Yeah. That scene, but there's weird, that. Weird scene, ultimately, but. but yeah. Didn't really need the streaking. It, they just needed the scene between Robert De Niro and uh, Christopher Walken saying, like, hey, like, don't leave me behind back there. Like, you know, make sure that, like, we stick together no matter what. Like, that scene was important. And then, like, the scene wherever they're just kind of being dicks to each other, like, I guess another scene that's important was the one shot scene where he says like, yeah. I, I don't get your one shot rule. And it's like, Oh, two shots are for pussies. You can't get a deer in one hit. Then you don't deserve it. Kind of thing. Weird rule. But yeah. okay. And then yeah. like, and then Nick also saying like, I think it's kind of, it, it's a machismo thing. It's like, you know, saying like, Oh yeah, I'm a badass. I can, I always get the deer in one shot. I don't need to waste bullets on them. I get, but like a lot of deers are really big. Yeah. <laughs> but it's one of those, like you, you shoot it in the heart. It's going to die. I don't know, it could still run for a while. You might want to... It could, yeah. Like That actually is a thing with hunters. Like You shoot him in the heart, and then enough adrenaline goes through the deer that it could run for quite some time before it finally falls. Yeah. And then, like usually, a good hunter will be a good enough tracker that they'll be able to follow the deer tracks and the blood to wherever... Yeah, it... for miles yeah. or whatever. I did, I did not appreciate the uh, actual deer-killing scene in this movie. So, yeah, I had... A... That looked like they actually killed a deer. So, like another fun fact about this movie, uh, that deer was not killed. I will say that much. Okay. They just um, told they gave it directions. Did they like train it or something? Yeah. Uh, what happened is it was actually professional deer, like a <laughs> professional <laughs> deer hunter. Yeah. yeah. Like there, there's deer people who train animals and they train I mean, deer. Yeah. For there's like movies. professional dog actors and stuff. I guess it makes sense for deer. I just could see uh, like a deer walking into like a rehearsal or something like that and be like, "Why do you think you're the deer for this?" I think it's more or less a trainer. <laughs> I think it's more or less a trainer brings in an animal and like, look how great this animal looks. Like, think about how great it would look on this film, kind of I, thing. My favorite part is like, it does still look like the deer's overacting. So, what they actually did with this is apparently they just closed off an area and then they tranked it and then they just like sat there and they filmed it 
until it finally fell over. So like that was the deer passing out from a tranquilizer. That still seems... So what about the blood that's on it? I probably fake. Huh. I gave it a blood packet like every <laughs> Yeah, they gave it a blood <laughs> packet chump. Well on. once again, this is a deer that prob that trusts at least a trainer to slap paint on it. Yeah. But yeah, like well, at it, least they didn't kill it. Yeah, they didn't actually kill it. Like that they just yeah. did a really good job filming that scene. But like him actually killing the deer in one hit and then, you know, them just kind of being assholes to each other up there on the thing and like saying that no one understands what Michael is like because he's just the weird one of the group. Actually, that's another scene I think's a bit too long. They get out of the car and just talk about whatever. Again, I get it's supposed to be like, oh, hey, they're friends, but it's like, no, that's my sandwich. Fuck you. And then he throws the sandwich at the dick guy. And then. Yeah. Which I think that's one thing that they were trying to show with that scene, too, is how much of a dick Stanley was. Because, like, during that scene, he's like, hey, like, forgot my boots. Can I borrow your boots, Michael? And, like, he's like, no, you're, you're on your own this time. You always forget shit whenever you come up here. I'm not going to fucking. I'm not going to wipe your ass for you for the rest of your life. You got to deal with it. And then another guy dips and a Twinkie in mustard. Yeah, like, I and feel the, like them The movie in- thinks yeah. it's super hilarious, too. It does. I know, he's like, <laughs> you just dipped, dipped your Twinkie in mustard. <laughs> but, like, he keeps doing it, so it's like, why are you laughing at him? This is clearly fine. So, like, here's a problem I actually do have with this scene is that Michael makes a huge point to say, like, you're never prepared. I'm not going to pull you out of this. Yeah. Like, he makes a huge point to say, I'm not pulling you out of this. I'm not here to fix this. But I feel like without his character changing that much in the whole movie, it ends with him doing literally the thing he said he wouldn't do. Which I think that's kind of the idea of this is like how they change throughout all these different processes in their lives. But that's the thing. It doesn't feel like an arc because it doesn't feel like he really changes that much. He just, he leaves being a giant asshole and he comes back and he's a giant asshole who now has PTSD. Kind of, yeah. So like, I feel like Throughout all of this, I feel like he wouldn't go back still. It's just, I don't know. It's just weird. I don't, I don't know. I think he it's... doesn't strike me as an asshole. He just strikes me as tired of dealing with Stanley shit. Yeah. And it's one thing that he does say earlier in the film, too, is like, the other guys are assholes. The only one he, the one he really cares about is Nick. Yeah, he does say that, but like... Doesn't really show that. Yeah. <laughs> and he kind of does. Like, he's kind. he's more of an asshole to Stanley and Axel than, and John than he is to Nick. Like, he's a lot nicer to Nick than he is to everyone else in the movie. Right, but, like, I don't know. It doesn't really strike me as, yes, I only value Nick. Well, he was saying, like, don't get me wrong, they're all friends, but they're all assholes at the same time. Because he does, like, during that scene of the one, or saying, like, you know, you have to get it done in one shot, he says, like, all those guys are assholes. If it wasn't for you, Nick, I would go hunting alone. It's a weird, like, either he, he, he does I have guess, a weird arc. I'll, I'll give yeah. you that. So, like, but. that's the thing. It, it gives lip service to the idea of it, but I don't feel like there's an actual character arc. That's the problem. I don't feel like you see him go from A to B to C. I feel like he is A and then C. I feel like there's no B of like him climbing up that hill to get to the point where he would actually save somebody. I mean, there is and there isn't. Like, but it it's mainly focused on Nick. If he, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, but that's I don't know. I guess I just think it's bad then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a. Like, like you said, it's one of those like you like the movie, but you ha- there's issues that you yeah. had with it. Yeah, there I, are. I, I just don't. Again, I don't really see the camaraderie between these two specifically that, like, is like, oh, yeah, I definitely valued this guy more than the rest. Because, like, all you really get is that they talk to each other alone, which I guess kind of shows that they are closer than the rest. But even then, it's not really, like, anything in specific. Apparently, they live together. Yeah. So, I guess that's supposed to do it. But, I don't know. But even then, they just don't share, like... Real emotions. 
That's what this film doesn't do. I feel like there's no real emotion in this movie. They just kind of blank stare at each other like, the whole time. I feel like that's kind of a guy thing. Like if I, you think about it in the ni- in like late 70s, early 80s, even in the 90s and 2000s, it was kind of it was the manly thing to not show emotions usually. I will say in the bar scene after this, they do stare really deep into each other's eyes. Yeah. That's true. They do. Well, and that's one of those things that they say to like that Stanley says to Michael whenever they're up in the mountains too. Cause like, he's just trying to like get under his skin. He's like, I always thought that you were a faggot anyways during that, which you know, it was the worst thing you could say to a guy in 1978. Yeah. Instantiating that they might not in fact like women. It's yes. crazy. But <laughs> anyways, after that scene where he shoots a deer and then the scene afterwards where they're at the bar and they have like this somber moment before like this, Almost like this last moment together, and they realize like this is really happening. This is the best scene in the movie. Yes, yes. I, I I definitely agree with that. I actually agree with that too. It's just somber, and you can just sort of see the fear in their eyes. Like I'll say, I think it's a little too abrupt. Like I think this weird, like they're all laughing and then they just all get silent, is a little bit abrupt. But it's I mean sometimes that happens really in well a moment made. though too. No, yeah, I agree. Uh, again, I think. This would have put a really good cap if the wedding scene wasn't 50 minutes long. Right. Yes. yes. And that's what I'm saying is like for how long the wedding scene is like this first hour and eight minutes of this movie could have been cut down to 20 minutes very easily. Yeah. Yeah. And still held every bit of emotion. You could have cut down the wedding. It's I think this movie comes down to you could have just cut down the wedding scene, (laughs) but you could have cut down the wedding scene and added 30 more seconds to that scene fade out. Yeah, but instead they give you like this whiplash of like it just cuts and now they're in war, right? And awful things are happening, and it makes it to feel like I don't know. You can't take in the awful thing that they're taking in. Again, it feels like you're an outsider looking in instead of trying to help yeah. you f- be feel like you're a part of this, right? And it it like I said, it goes from very much a slow movie to not like yeah zero to one hundred quickly. I'm gonna like so. If you've been listening to the podcast, you might notice a trend where I can't really recognize faces. It was really hard when it cuts to this scene and they're all like clean shaven and have (laughs) really short hair. Yeah. Because I already was struggling with who's who before this happened. And this is an hour into the movie and I'm still like, wait, is that the guy who got married? (laughs) And then it goes here. I'm like, I actually asked them. Yeah, he did. Am I supposed to know who this? I was like, is this a guy we've already seen? (laughs) <laughs> and it was the it was Michael who was the main character basically, at least one of the main characters is like right. Oh, and that's the same guy. And the thing about this movie, I think they did a good enough job making other characters feel important that there's not really a huge sense of who the main character is. But most of this movie is through Michael's eyes. Yeah, but- I, I feel like. You could. I feel like you can get away with saying Michael's the main character. You you can. Yeah. But the thing is, is like. Normally, in a lot of movies, and I feel like this is kind of a cinema sin, is you can always tell who the main character is because they always feel ten times more important than everyone else in the movie. This movie doesn't have that sense. I feel like everybody, in their own way, is important to the structure of this movie and how it works. I disagree, but on the same point, I think nobody's important is the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, they're all the same level of importance. (laughs) But in a sense, like, the way this movie is also structured, nothing's sacred either. I feel like Michael has a bit of plot armor on him just a tiny bit not like well i guess a significant it, amount i guess like, another fun fact about this movie is uh for the third act of this movie uh in the original script michael and nick's uh roles are actually switched huh. so like that last hmm. scene it was supposed to be the other way around 
Huh. That I don't know if that so works was, very well with those. Two and that might have been what it is. It's like they felt like it maybe maybe they felt it worked better with worked better with Michael. But in the original script, it's actually following Nick in the third act and not following Michael and Nick coming back home. Hmm. That would have been a little more interesting, but I also think that it wouldn't have been as good, as poignant. I guess. Yeah. Actually, but. that would have been in it. Like the the dichotomy of Nick telling Mike not to leave him behind. And then, and then being forced, like the, the movie already kind of does does yeah. this, but like he's forced to leave Michael behind. Something that, if the roles were reversed, he feels like would be irredeemable. Yeah. yeah. So if he had, if it took it a step farther, and he actually really had to leave him behind, and he had to go home, and then that it's would be Nick an coming back from movie. Michael. Like it would make a, it would make an interesting arc, yeah. but it kind of takes away from Michael never leaving Nick behind and coming yeah. back for him. But I mean. In the list of things I would change about the movie, that'd probably be pretty low on the yeah, list. Yeah, that is like, very low on the list. I don't of think that's that I would change. one of the things that actually hurts the movie that much. Yeah, I think I think you're right, honestly. Yeah, um, and, and it doesn't really hurt it, and in some ways, it kind of helps it to follow Michael instead. In yeah. some ways, let's just jump right into Act Two here. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, war happens, never changes. What is it good for? Absolutely, Absolutely nothing. nothing. Oh ah, uh. say it again. <laughs> 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 but and then it cuts into the scene that it, this movie is very very infamous for which was the prison scene which like i said like i was telling you guys earlier whenever dry kept on asking me where this movie was filmed everything was done on location and this was actually one of the very first films to deal with the vietnam war and be filmed in thailand and vietnam yeah because it felt like a, a scene going on a little later in the movie they're going down the river yeah on this log and they come across this bridge and like where the fuck is this bridge? So like, I was like, this looks like in it would actually be a bridge in the middle of Thailand. So I was like, where where'd they film this, Robbie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they filmed that in Thailand. Yeah, that's but that's yeah, cool. like uh, the second act, it's very heavily dependent on this scene, which I guess that like there is a ton of controversy for it too, and in my opinion, rightfully so because it's one of those. I guess the director tried to push the narrative that like oh yeah this really happened in vietnam but like there's no documentation <laughs> at i was all. gonna ask because it feels weird that i guess okay so the big thing about this is they have the prisoners and they use them to play russian roulette yeah they felt like it was something a sadistic guard would do to entertain himself while you know dealing with prisoners but like the vietnamese playing russian roulette seemed kind of off so I when wanted they're to the russians also I just thought that part was weird. They're Russian. Oh, yeah, the main character. Anybody that is not American is not human. Don't you know? But the, <laughs> and that's, that was actually, evil. yeah, that was a lot of the controversy, too, is because they felt like they villainized them in a way that was unfair to the Vietnamese people. Which I is, agree. It, yeah, yeah, it's very fair. It didn't humanize them. But it's one of those, it deserved all the criticism and deserved the praise that it got, yeah. in my opinion. And, like, the fact they criticized for them this, it's totally 100%. It, it deserved it. Yeah. Although, okay, so I'm going to say it now so I don't forget. Russian roulette is probably my biggest issue with this movie. I don't like how it's used. I think it's kind of dumb. Yes, I agree. Uh, Later, when we get into the movie, there's a bigger issue, and I'm guaranteed I'm going to remember this because it's actually my biggest issue with the movie, but there is a huge thing I don't like about the use of Russian roulette later down the line. Yeah, and I guess the director tried saying that like it, he read articles about how <laughs> this like this actually happened, but they asked him what article he read and he never cited one. It's like, "What are your sources?" My ass. <laughs> More or less, yeah. But besides that, I guess like one thing that the director had is he had a picture of one of the famous pictures that was taken in Vietnam 
during the Vietnam War was the execution of a Viet uh, of the Viet Cong, which was literally just a, a photo of a Vietnamese man holding a revolver to a Viet Cong's head, and it was like right before he executed him. So that that's a real that's, photo. That's what his entire thing was. Like based that on. was one of his inspirations for this movie was that picture, and I think that's why he decided like he needed to have the Russian roulette in there. Oh my god! But um. I think about it, like, some people said this movie was very pro-war because of how they did these scenes, and the reason why is because it dehumanized them in a way that real soldiers would dehumanize the enemy, because one way that you get away mentally and emotionally with killing mm. another human being is not seeing them as human, seeing them as this inhuman, evil character, like they would see the Viet Cong after being yeah. forced to play Russian roulette, being put in a situation of, I did it because I had to, and they did it because they had to, because like these people were just pure evil and it was a very unfair way to villainize these people but it's how they did it for the movie and in a weird way it was pro war for them to do that i don't know if i call it pro war i i wouldn't say it's like well it's pro war because it's one of those war. it's yeah it's not fully anti war but it's pro war within the sense of like they fought these people and they killed these people because they had to right but i of. think that's just more lazy writing if i can say that I feel like he just didn't feel like writing characters for them. Yeah. I Yeah. I don't feel like this movie is pro or anti-war. I think it is anti-Russian roulette. <laughs> the funny thing about this movie, this movie actually brought Russian roulette to the pop or to pop culture. Oh good. And there's actually I guess 28 documented cases of people actually dying from Russian roulette because they watched this movie. Oh good. Yeah. Another reason not to like the director. Yeah, exactly. That's what happens when you play Russian roulette. You die. <laughs> and like I guess with another thing with uh dealing or talking about Stanley Kubrick is uh whenever Stanley Kubrick came out with uh, a Clockwork Orange he saw people that were actually going out in droogie uniforms and realized that they were copying them and they weren't supposed to because they were supposed to be the bad guys. And he saw this and realized, oh my God, what have I done? And he was actually the person to push to make this that movie NC-17 when it first came out because he felt horrible that people would actually, you know, root for the bad guy in a movie like A Clockwork Orange. People are But weird. not Michael. <laughs> people go towards villains because the thing is, you need to make a charismatic villain in order to make them seem a little more awful. Right. Um, is you need to make them feel real human, and then you get to see that humans are able to do this awful thing. But we as a it, society seem to see as it's a charismatic, they're charismatic, that means they must be cool, and then we get a bunch of people imitating them. Yeah. And yeah. with that charisma, I think it brings along with like, yeah, yeah, I agree with what he says. I think I like this guy. Yeah. Kind of. It's Idealism. Like people I mean, liking Red Skull. <laughs> and Joker. I yeah, mean, yeah. A, a lot of like real life villains are also charismatic. Yeah, I that's mean, also very Ted fair. Ted Bundy. He's, yeah, Jeff he's a serial killer, awful human being, but handsome and charismatic, so people would have never thought that he could do something so horrible. Yeah, it's true. Honestly, it was actually yeah, the same yeah. thing with Charles Manson, too. You don't look at it seeing it like from yeah. the perspective of 2020, but back in 1960s, whenever you know he had a cult following, people thought of him as a very <laughs> handsome, very charismatic person, which is why he got people to carry out murders for him. He had a literal cult following. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Um, I think when you're talking about serial killers and real-life villains like that, it's incredibly important to keep in mind and point out constantly, they're fucking idiots and awful people. Yeah. And they deserve to be mocked. Yeah, yeah. like, I, I'm very interested in serial killers. I listen to a lot of true crime stuff. But it's not because I'm, like, I, like, praise their deeds or anything. I just, like, I'm interested in their, in their mindset and, like, why would anybody be so awful? <laughs> 
But uh, let's get back to a happier yeah, subject. Yeah, that's Russian roulette. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So this is where Ten you're four. introduced to the main plot point, I guess, for the movie. Yeah. This is the point that everybody talks about for this movie is the Russian roulette. Like it's mocked in a lot of movies. It's done. It's redone in a lot of movies and video games, actually. Which we should mention that at this point in the war, Michael and Nick and Stevie have all met up with each other, and they're all captured as POWs. Yeah. yeah. And they're being forced in these cells to go and play Russian roulette. Which, I guess a little fun fact about this was uh, the actor that they got that was, like, the main bad guy for the Vietnamese guards, the one that was, like... Loading the gun and stuff. Yeah, loading the gun and, like, basically... How do I put it? Like, I guess the host for Russian roulette, if you want to call it that. The one that kept bitch-slapping them? Um, (laughs) The fun fact about him... Is they hired him because he apparently that guy had a hatred for Americans and like, hey, do you want to get paid to slap around some Americans for a while? It's like, okay, wow. So because like I guess the original guy like they told him like, I want you to actually slap him, and he had a hard time doing that, and so they paid this guy because this guy was enjoying slapping them around. So like whenever you watch him slapping the are the characters around, he's really doing it, which is why you have such a genuine reaction uh, from the actors when they're like when they get pissed off at him is because. They're just getting slapped around by this guy all day long. It's also why their faces are so red during the scene. I'd be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> it's why you see Robert Nero going like, I'll fucking kill you! I'll fucking kill you! At one point, in the, that's the scene. Because that, that was probably his genuine reaction to being slapped by this guy all day long. Jesus Christ. This fucking director sucks. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine being a director, paying someone to slap someone so much their face is constantly pink, and be like, yeah, this is the direction I should be going. Yeah. Authenticity was like a weird <laughs> thing that for this guy to like the point where it just makes him a bad person. Like another thing that was authentic that he did during the scene was um, because like there's a the scene wherever Steven and Michael have to play against each other and Michael keeps on trying to like calm Steven down to him like, don't worry, like, like it's going to be OK. You have to do so you got to show him that you have balls or else they're going to put you in the pit. And if they put you in the pit, you're going to die. And he's just scared and he can't do it to the point where when he finally pulls a trigger, he pulls it away, the gun away from his head and just kind of skims his head instead of yeah. actually shooting himself. And they put him in the pit. And this pit is literally just a cage where you're just like a couple inches over water and you have to hold yourself up on these bars. It's like, I described it, it's like the opposite of waterboarding where everything but the head is, yeah. is <laughs> covered in water. Which, I, the fucked up thing about this scene though is since it was done in Vietnam, this is an actual rat infested water, our waters. And so those weren't trained rats. No, like that was just happening. They're like, <laughs> that scene, wherever he's screaming like, Michael, Michael, there's rats in the water. The actor himself is terrified of rats, and a rat just crawled up on him during that scene. That wasn't yeah. him calling out to Robert De Niro's character. That was him screaming at the director, and they left it in the movie. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I was going to say, because like, there is a rat on his head. Yeah, there's yeah. legitimately a rat on his head, and yeah. he d- dips himself underwater to get this rat off of him. So yeah, Fuck like that was a off. genuine scene, and he felt like it was so authentic, he kept it in the movie. I fucking hate this director. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But so now it's there's that and yeah, Michael's talking to Nick and like, yo, we got to get out of here. Fuck Steve. He's gone. That's what he said. Like everyone he saw go in that pit died in that pit. So he figured like there's nothing we can do for him now. It's only so long you can stay awake, really. Yeah. Yeah, honestly. And hold your head over water, too. It's one of those like, especially if you're in a river, you're fighting against the current while you're trying to hold your head over water, too. But during the scene, he talks to Nick and he tells him there's only one way I can think of to get out of here and we need more bullets in that gun. 
in order to get out of here alive. Three bullets yeah, specifically. He's, yeah, he's like he's like I need at least three bullets to get us out of here. And so whenever it gets to the point to wherever Nick and Michael are the last prisoners alive and they make them go up against each other and Michael demands that the guy to have three bullets in the gun. Well, first Nick has to play. It's a very drawn out scene too. It's a very intense scene because of how they draw it out. Uh-huh. Cause it's just one of those, like you don't know what's going to happen. Cause like we said earlier, like everyone's the equal amount of importance in this movie. Therefore no one's sacred. Here's the thing. You don't know what's going to happen except, you pointed this out to me, and I honestly may not have noticed it unless you did. Unless I pointed it out, yeah. The people who all die from being shot in the head are all wearing headbands. Yeah. yeah. And I felt like it was kind of a special effects thing because it's easier to hide a tube full of blood in a headband than if they didn't have one. Yes. Which makes the end of the movie very yeah, un- like- you you realized what was happening. Yeah. Like I well, realized yeah. what was happening too, but like I, I yeah. didn't mean I to point that realized, out to you. But yeah, well, I I mean I realized at that point too. It's like, well, hmm, they're all wearing headbands. Yeah, how convenient. Yeah. The sad part is it doesn't look good. No, it no, it, it's very bad. It, it's very Japanime style of blood squirt coming out of their head when they <laughs> die. Yeah. So yeah. basically, click nothing. Get the three bullets. They agree to this plan for whatever reason. I guess because, aha, it's a one-half chance now, but also, yeah. like, come on. Right, yeah. It's you literally so have all day. You know eventually they'll get shot, but, like... Just up the stakes. Maybe they're bored with watching people die from one bullet. They need to up the stakes more. <laughs> they want to di- Who watch knows? them like, die from three. Honestly, though, like, it is more or less just plot convenience that's happening right here. Yeah. Goes, pulls a trigger, hands the gun to Nick, and tells Nick, I need you to empty a chamber. I need you to do this, and... Nick is very scared and eventually does pull the trigger after being slapped a couple of times and then gets a gun back to Michael. And instead of putting the gun to his head, he actually shoots the, I guess, main host for this Russian roulette. And very quick, very intense scene, wherever they're fighting off these guards with like the three bullets in the gun and then grabbing one of the rifles and shooting the rest of them. Yeah, it's like the badass scene. Yeah, basically. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. Yeah. After they do that, uh, Nick is shot during this, but... It's Michael carrying around a, a wounded Nick and then taking a broken Steven out of the pit and telling him, like, we have to take a swim for a while and, like, just riding down a log down this Vietnamese river, yeah. hoping that they find a way to get back to civilization. They barely can, they can barely, like, keep Yeah, they're up. barely holding themselves up at this point. Yeah, and then they, a helicopter comes by conveniently. Yeah. And rescues Which, Nick and then... Almost rescues... Yeah, and Michael two. and Stevie, but they both, well, Stevie falls, and so Michael goes back for him also, yeah. drops down with him to rescue him, but whenever they fall, Stevie breaks his legs, which is in a line that you could very easily not hear, because I didn't. And it is one of those things, like, if you're not listening for it, he does say, I hit rocks on the way down, which means yeah. he hit a shallow, he hit a shallow part, part, broke his legs. And so Michael is carrying around a broken Stevie now. Eventually, they find a road, they find people helping them, and they get help. Nick gets flown back to get help. And then the next time you see them is in a hospital. Another little fun fact for you guys to hate the director just a little bit more. That helicopter scene, wherever they fall off, that was Robert De Niro and the other actor whose name is escaping me right now, who plays Steven. Uh, They did their own stunt for that one. And I guess over the course of two days, they fell in that river 15 times. God fucking. I'm not going to say I hate the director for them doing their own stunts unless he forced them to do it. I don't think he forced them to. Yeah. If they chose to do that, that's on He knows the location, though. Like. Yeah. These are rat-infested waters. Yeah, it's shitty. But, I mean, 
I honestly have a ton of respect for actors who will do their own stunt work. So mm-hmm. I don't know. And Robert De Niro, he's always been a method actor. So he's always been very willing to do the research, get into the mindset, do the stunts that he needs to do, like do the things that he needs to do for this movie. Yeah. And so it doesn't really surprise me too much that he did that. But um, yeah, like he said, the, um, it's a little bit confusing, but it's almost like because they're Vietnamese soldiers, but it seems like they're Union soldiers or like medical soldiers that are working for the American side that pick up Steven, but they just leave Michael behind, which kind of makes sense because like they're already in a packed Jeep and they have no room for him, but they just kind of leave him on the side of the road and he's just kind of in this like, okay, well, now what? I situation. mean, he can walk. They don't need to get him. Yeah. It does cut uh, to Nick being in the hospital and just being very distant with everything that's happening around him and kind of not being able to process it. And something clearly happened in his head during Russian roulette and all the, uh, yeah. like being a so- prisoner of war stuff. And so he's not able to, he starts to almost not be able to remember his parents' names and then he's not able to remember their birthdays. And that's kind of his breaking point realizing like something happened to me. I think it's kind of one of those, like you've ever been in such like a bad mood where you're just like barely holding it together. And then someone asks you if you're okay and you just trying to say, I'm fine causes you to break and you start crying it's i think it's kind of one of those scenes he finally like he's trying to be okay but he just can't anymore is how i took it yeah except more intense because you know he almost killed himself yeah it is one of those like ptsd was very much a thing in the vietnam war it's very much a thing in the current war yeah it's very much but the thing is is um the ptsd in vietnam wars like most of the or most of the soldiers like they didn't get taken care of at all Whenever they had this, they were just considered yeah. to like just be told to tough it out, yeah. kind of shell shocked, as they called it. Yeah. Whenever they first came up with the name of being shell shocked, like they thought of it as a weakness more than an illness, too. So it was just for the longest time just something that they had to suck up because it was weak people that got it. That was really sucks. Yeah. And so yeah. a lot of soldiers that had it, they didn't get the necessary care that they needed, which is why, even though he's breaking down in the hospital, they're like, okay, we need to get him out of here. Like, yeah. Kind of thing. And they just yeah. send him back off into the war. After that, because like, okay, well, his gunshots are his gunshot wound is better. So go ahead and send him back in. Yep. And so he is still fighting. Yeah. But then we don't hear about anything from Stevie at this point. Don't hear anything from Michael either. Like they're just in the void at this point. Yeah. And the next time that we see Michael is Nick is wandering around town, basically goes almost sleeps with a prostitute, which is a scene that's. It's a very weird scene. Like gross. yeah. Yeah. And eventually finds himself in. Lo and behold, apparently what is the most popular thing in Vietnam, according to this director, he finds an illegal or not illegal... Uh, an, an underground Russian yeah, roulette ring. Yeah. yeah. And so he's like, well, I guess I am interested in this now, because this is the only thing that my character knows. It's bad writing. It I think that's meant to be kind <laughs> of... A, I think it was meant to be kind of a... Breaking point? No, not a breaking point. Um, a way to deal with the trauma? Kind of. Um... Coping mechanism? Kind of, yeah, like a coping mechanism. Like, it was meant to, uh, it was meant to signify, like, what the war meant to him in a way, because, like, there are cases of soldiers who, when they come back from war, they don't know what to do with themselves anymore, and the only thing that they can think of is, I need to have orders again, I need to have some kind of structure, and the army gave me that, I need to find another war to fight, and in a way for Nick, this was another war for him to fight, and I think that was meant to kind of be a symbolism him so i didn't take it that way i took his obsession with russian roulette as feeling like he should have died during that yeah and so he's just trying to constantly make himself be dead now through that exact same act which is super silly and poorly written though i think so why is russian roulette the biggest sport (laughs) i don't know i don't know (laughs) right 
<laughs> so like he goes either. into this Russian roulette area and Michael is also there and there's Russian roulette happening. But also Nick finds a super rich person outside who says he's going to sponsor him basically if he plays. Yeah. He ba- like because like it's one, another one of those things you're not listening or you don't have subtitles on. What the man says is, uh, you have balls. I can make you very rich doing yeah. this. And that's why he decides to sponsor him. Yeah. But it's, the thing is, Nick doesn't care about the money or any of that. He just wants to die, I think, at this point. Yeah. And that might be what it is, is he just wants to die. Also, so what was Michael doing there? I think he's also just obsessed with Russian roulette. I guess. It feels weird that he's there, though, and apparently they never saw each other. Well, Michael saw him, but Nick didn't see him. I no, I mean in showing. general. Like, yeah. just they never saw each other. Because Nick was clearly looking for Michael still, because yes. he confused yeah, that, another man for him. Yeah, so, like, that that's what I mean by, like, poor writing, is that it feels like the director is wandering along with the actors, and he's just deciding that scenes are important, and there's not actually any weight that he's putting onto it or any meaning behind it. He's just deciding, this is important because I say it's important. Watch this for ten minutes. I think he was trying to make symbolism with a lot of it, and it just didn't work out quite as well as he'd hoped it would. I feel like it does. It hard cuts to him coming home now, right? Well, you see Nick running away with the rich man, right? And then he just throws a bunch of money out of the car, and Michael's trying to run after them, but he can't catch up. And that's the last we see of Nick for a very long time. Yeah. And then it cuts to Michael getting home. Yeah. yeah. Film takes place in three different time periods: 1967, 1968, and at this point, it's 1975. Oh, that doesn't read at all. No. 75. Yeah, that's what it said. He was at war for that long? I don't buy that even a second. I thought like a year or two, not five. I Yeah, I don't buy that at all. So he was and just I, missing for that long? Maybe, because the Vietnam War actually didn't end until 1973, and he was AWOL for who knows how long. But that's the thing. He ran away, like, after he was let go. It felt like... Very soon after he was let go. He was missing for that many years, and nobody, like... There's a lot of POWs that were gone for a very long time from the Vietnam War. Like, even after the war ended. I just don't buy that amount of time being gone. It doesn't feel like that at all. Yeah. That, that's what I d- that's what it said whenever I dug it up though. Like, we're not blaming you, dog. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but yes. I was, I, I, you're we're saying not like a, no, fuck you. You're wrong. <laughs> There's no no. But well, I didn't write it. <laughs> I just think it's bad filmmaking. Anyway, so. Michael is back, and as he's coming back in a taxi, he noticed there's a banner that says, Welcome home, Michael, and he's like, I don't really want to deal with this, which I kind of like that that's his character change. Yeah. Change, quote-unquote. Well, it's one of those, and he he just stops wanting attention for the most part about it. It's because he doesn't want to be congratulated with it, too. Yeah, he doesn't which is, see himself as a hero. Yeah, and that was very much a thing for a lot of soldiers coming back home, and honestly, like, there's only one movie that I know of that really portrayed this, and the thing is, is like dealing with the war during oh, whenever I was in high school and everything. We did talk to some vets from Vietnam and World War II and everything and else like that too, and we found out that not everybody got a warm welcoming coming back from World War II, like, um, or not World or from the Vietnam War. Oh yeah, in World no. War II, like there was parades that went on for days at a time, and for the Vietnam War, there was no parades. Like, there were protests. Yeah, there was protests. Like there was people coming back and they were being spat on for being baby killers for stuff that journalists are had filmed while they were over there. And so like, Oh yeah, this is what all the soldiers are doing over here. And so they were just seen as a bunch of war criminals when they came back instead of heroes, even yeah. though like some people, they didn't even see any action whenever they were there. They, and so like 
him actually having a warm welcome home was kind of a weird twist for it but it also shows that like he didn't want it to be celebrated that he went there because yeah. he didn't see himself as a hero he just saw it as this whole big fucked up thing that he wanted to forget but actually that's one thing i do wish the movie did touch upon they really don't talk about like all the protests and stuff happening no, no but because i feel like that actually would really go in their character arcs that they're going like that they don't feel like heroes so i feel like yeah. with them not doing the welcome home i feel like there would be a there could be a cool scene with these protesters like yelling at michael and he just sits there because he realizes yeah and just not, takes it they're not wrong yeah that i feel like that could have been a scene that was in the movie i do agree with you on that yeah. But, you know, we can't have that scene when we could have 50 minutes of the wedding, of course. You know? Of course. <laughs> but You're telling me that you want to add more? <laughs> this is this is in the theoretical movie where instead of 50 minutes, you only have a 10-minute at most wedding. As a matter of fact, they should have had a second wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I almost thought they were going to for a bit there. But, um, yeah, so Michael, so they're trying to have this party, and Michael just is like, just just keep going to the taxi. He's like, yeah. This is actually not the street, I told you. Keep going. Yeah, so basically all this third act of him being back in the States is just him trying to be normal as possible, but, but failing. Yeah, but struggling and failing, which once again is a thing that real soldiers had to deal with and still deal with coming back from wars. Yeah, which is, I again, I think that this is one of the stronger parts of the movie, but it would have been stronger if we didn't see the actual war part, I think. I think if that was left a mystery, then you can fill whatever you want in your head. But we see exactly what happened. And we know, or at least we thought we did. I thought I fucking did, but apparently it had been seven fucking years where he was at war. But, like, I don't know. I feel like not seeing anything in the war would have been better. I don't know. So he instead goes to a motel and sleeps there and doesn't come back till the morning. I was like, oh, yep, uh, the flight was delayed. Yeah. Which, you know, it makes sense that he would make up excuses of, like, why he wasn't there for his own oh, yeah, party. Yeah, everyone's going to give like, him so much shit if he was like, yeah, I didn't want to. Yeah. Well, it's and I think it kind of comes to, like, that sense of, you know, they, they don't fully understand anything. And he realizes he's not going to fully understand, and he just can't deal with it at that moment. That's another thing. It would be cool if the movie went into that more of just, like, everyone, like, is trying to congratulate him and be like, oh, yeah, you fucking, you own that war. And, like, he, he kind of... Just this stone stonewalled. I don't really know if I'm using the term, but um, he just doesn't really have reactions to things, and I feel like there's almost something interesting with the dichotomy of how people are talking to him and how he reacts. But I don't think the movie quite gets it. I that's another thing of what I think is like this movie wasn't trying to be a pro or anti-war movie, and so it doesn't make a statement. I think it's afraid I, to make a statement. It's not so much it's afraid to make a statement. I think it's so much focused on just him as a person more so than the war itself, which is why the war is such a small part of this movie. It's more dealing with the PTSD that he's dealing with and the PTSD of the other people who survived the war. So it's more of a person struggling to deal with what they've seen and what they've done more so than... Yeah, then that's another thing. I just think it's bad writing then. I think that they just, they pivoted in the wrong direction. Okay. And then... Oh, shoot, I forgot. So there's this weird thing that I don't get. In the Vietnam, when he's in the shade, when Nick's in the shading part, he, like, opens his wallet and pulls out the picture of the girl who was abused. Linda. Linda. And he, like, looks at it and puts it away. And then in the hotel, uh, Michael does the same exact thing, almost like the same shot. 
And I was like, I was confused because I was like, is that Nick's wallet? Like, or did he just have the same exact picture of her? Which, yeah, it I looked I, like it was the same wallet. It, it it's quite possible. Like it just they didn't show it well enough that whenever. Uh, that guy handed Nick a whole bunch of money saying, I'll make you rich if you play Russian roulette for me, that whenever he threw all the money, he threw his wallet with it, and Michael picked it up. But they didn't really signify that. If that's what happened, they did not show that at no, all. No, at all. It's ter- like, but it's, 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 it's either Nick's wallet that he has and he's looking at a picture of Linda, or for some reason he just also has a labeled pic- or a laminated picture of Linda with him. Like a, the same picture, too. Yeah, <laughs> like not- yeah it's weird. I don't, I don't like it. But yeah, so now he gets home. Uh, and it's really weird scene with him and Linda trying to talk. It's like awkward in a good way. Like I think the awkwardness works in the movie's favor for the most part here. But I don't know. It's one of those things of like I feel like they generated this connection between the characters in a different version of the script. Yeah, that we my, didn't get to see. That's my thing too. Is like Linda's clearly like head over heels for Nick but she's super okay with replacing him with Michael now. And also, the first time she sees him, she immediately kisses him on the lips. I feel like that's just their, like, a thing they do in that town, though, because, like, it seems normal to do that, apparently. That's weird. I think I, I is that <laughs> like, Whenever he finally does, whenever he finally does get, like, a whole bunch of people congratulating him on his way back, and, like, it's way overdone, and he just doesn't want to be there, there is that one lady that's kissing him just a little bit too much, and she kisses yeah, she's she's she like was five or six times. I think she is creepy. Yeah, that's all I took that as. She's yeah. weird, but like, but I, I think, think that's a, that happens a lot in the movie. Like at the wedding, they do a similar thing. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I guess you're right. But also, I think for what it was trying to signify is like I think Linda just needed some comfort, and she was going to Michael for that. I I agree. I just don't she think does the movie kind, yeah, she did it as well. Yeah, she kind of says it even at some point too. She just wants some comfort and she's going to Michael for that because it's the person that makes the most sense to her at that moment. It feels more like there's this weird romantic connection that wasn't there. It tried to tell us that there was without there actually being anything. It's a weird thing. Uh, so then Linda has to go work at the market. He brings her there. This is where the gross kissing scene happens where this woman's way too affectionate. Uh, and then he goes to the steel mill, I believe. Yeah, he uh, yeah. after yeah after that scene, he does go to the steel mill and he surprises Stanley and Axel there, and that's whenever you guys get the making a bunch of comments about how Stanley has a pedo stash now, yeah, how which, he aged, yeah, yeah and how he somehow more, aged way knowing, more than everyone else. Yeah, which, which knowing what happened, I is it makes sense, and I do feel bad, <laughs> but I mean, unless you know that little factoid about him, like there's no way to actually know for sure. It just yeah. kind of like, oh, well, he was a dickhead before, and now he's a dickhead with a mustache. That's kind of... That's most of the people in my life. That's kind of his character. <laughs> that is his character in a sense, yeah. though. Like, even here, he's really weird about, like, aha, I have a gun. Yeah, he points that out a lot. But which is also... It, that's just foreshadowing for later scenes. Yeah, which even, like, in the first act of the movie, they talk about that gun, because even whenever he says, like, whenever he tells him he's not going to uh, look out for him anymore and, like... Every single time they go up to go deer hunting, he never brings his boots, he never brings his gun, he never brings his coat, he never brings his socks. He just expects Michael to give it all to him, and he's not going to look out for him anymore. Like he said, he straight up tells him, "All you ever bring up with you is that stupid John Wayne gun of yours," and he brings it up at this scene too. Which I feel like that whole thing of just bringing up the revolver is just to make the Russian roulette seem important. Like I feel like every step in this movie is just to make the Russian roulette seem important, right? And it doesn't. 
it yeah. seems like bad lazy writing but i think we can blah 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 most of this stuff yeah back in town a big important yeah. thing they go hunting again first uh whenever he goes and sees them they go back to the uh bar and they have a drink like the first drink of him coming back together and then they a- he asks about angela and she's like oh like she hasn't been the same ever since she talked to steven oh, steven's yeah, back yeah and it's like the first time you get the sense that steven's even alive yeah because he just kind of disappears because it's poorly written and uh like oh yeah like he's still alive like well, where is he like where is he like where can i see him they just oh, you don't know ne- never mind never mind they, they don't want to talk about it but, like they also don't know that's the thing they yeah. also don't know right important things he gets steven's numbers they go hunting more russian roulette symbolism yeah the the big things that happen with the second hunting thing are he lets one deer go yeah uh yeah. he purposely doesn't kill it because that's just not his character anymore i guess i don't know what's yeah. um because now he's a nice person but Very he's not. Nice. No. He's just a broken person. I don't, I wouldn't say he was a nice person, just broken at this point. And then the other thing that happens is they're playing with the revolver in the cabin at one point, and he almost plays Russian roulette with them, basically. Oh, he does. Well, well yeah. Well, he forces it on Yeah, them. what it is is, like, Stanley's being an asshole again, and, and uh, instead of just dealing with it because he sees him pointing a gun at one of his friends, he takes the gun out of his hand and, like, scalds him for pointing a loaded gun at Axel, and then... Which Stanley says it's not loaded, and it's clearly loaded, which is a huge, huge, huge dick move. Yeah, Yeah. but that just goes with Stanley always being half-cocked kind of thing. I guess, yeah. Yeah, his solution to this is he gets one bullet, plays Russian roulette, right in Stanley's head, and he pulls the trigger. There's a 1-6 chance he would have just killed him right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This scene had the potential of being incredibly good, and it wasn't. And I don't know. I don't know what element could have been brought into it to make it good. I just think it's the fact that the movie relies so much on Russian Roulette to be the tense moment. It does it four different times. And it only works once in the movie. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's bad. I don't like it. I'm, man. Yeah. Ugh. You feel like they were leaning too heavily on the Russian Roulette, which is honestly fair. He well, leaned way too heavily on it. It's not even like, yeah. there's not even a good reason for it to be Russian Roulette. Yeah. As we've established. <laughs> it could have been anything. Could have <laughs> literally been anything. But so they get back and he calls Stanley. Figures out where Stanley is, and then he goes visit him after the call, and I get and you learn oh Stanley has no legs and one arm, he broke his leg and then at some point he also lost the other leg and an arm, I guess probably from getting shot I don't know he did get thinking, hurt pretty in the pretty bad in the head maybe he just doesn't have he didn't have any control use, over that any, arm anymore and they just cut it off, <laughs> well the arm is still there it just doesn't do anything. I don't know. I but, feel like I saw scenes where like his his sleeve was just tied up as if it was missing. If you look at it, like his arm is there. It just he doesn't he has no use of it at that moment. So yeah, then this is supposed to be the big thing. Uh, Stan Stanley, right? Stevie, Steven. Stevie. Yeah, yeah. He shows him. He's like, "Fucking, I keep getting sent socks." And then he opens the drawer, and there's a bunch of money. He's like, "Also, I keep getting all of this from Vietnam." Where are they even giving this money? And then uh, Michael kind Michael, of puts two yeah. and two together and it's like, this, this is probably coming from Nick. So, again, here's my biggest issue. It is fucking Russian roulette. You can't, you can't be good at Russian roulette. <laughs> they clearly play to the death. That's statistically it. That's why I was, statistically he's super fucking lucky that he hasn't yeah. died. That's why I'm more upset by the fact it's apparently been like five years. You can't be somehow good at Russian roulette where you can live for five years at a one-sixth at worst 
at best chance. Yeah, he. there's no way he lives. And with where we see his character at later in the movie, I don't think he would send the money back. Like, he doesn't care about the money, but I also think he just wouldn't send it back because there's no reason for him to do it. He doesn't care about anybody. And another thing, so, like, none of the people in the town except for the wife knew where Stevie was. Yet, in Vietnam, he was somehow able to find the place Stevie lived to send money. Yeah. Dumb. And the only thing I could say is maybe that mystery man that was sponsoring him, maybe he just know like he knows people enough to know where to send stuff. How hey, would maybe... he know he's there? <laughs> they don't even Nobody know. Nobody in the town knows he's there. <laughs> I guess if he's I mean, somehow connected yeah. with the military. Yeah, if he's connected to the military and there's documentation of him being at this nursing home, then he could find a way. It's just I'm not buying that dumb. At all. Again, my bigger issue is you can't be good at Russian roulette. <laughs> That's not a thing. You can't be a Russian roulette shark. <laughs> it's in pool. And again, they're treating it like it's a sport. But it is not a sport. It is random chance. Yeah. And they somehow statistically made a one in pachillion, quatillion, all other fake numbers I just made up chance <laughs> has lived through every single game. Yeah, it's dumb. It's dumb. <laughs> Why is it Russian roulette? <laughs> they literally could have changed the game. Know, Symbolism. Just, it could have literally just been he became addicted to gambling because he's been gambling on his life. And then, then I'd be like, okay, sure, somehow he's just that lucky. Yeah. I hate it so much. I don't like it either, man. I don't like it either. But because of this, well, first off, there's this scene where, oh, yeah, Linda and Michael are super close and having all maybe sex now. I don't, they're definitely having sex. They're cuddling for sure, at least. Uh, <laughs> and then I guess the RV just was cool with setting Michael back. That's the other thing I hate about this. Why would they let him go back? There is literally zero reason he could give to anybody for them to be like, we're pulling out of the war. I guess you can go back, though. Yeah. Like, there's no reason. Because like, plot convenience. You said 75, right? Yeah, the, and you apparently, said the war at this po- yeah, apparently at this point, it's 1975, and the war technically ended in 1973. Yeah, so why would they send him back? They wouldn't. <laughs> they wouldn't. I don't understand... It's just, it's, it's, what's Robbie said? It is completely contrived plot convenience. I, that, that's a very big cinema sit, and I feel like there's so many movies. That I, I feel like maybe even all movies have that. Like, in order for the plot to keep moving forward, something has to happen, so they force something to happen. And this movie has a lot of those scenes. But, but there's better this. ways to do it. Yeah. No, don't even have him use the military as the reason. Have him somehow find a way just to get back yeah. if you want. There's like a civilian plane ride back. Yeah, or he fucking took a bow. I don't care. I don't care. He's in Ohio. He took a bow. I don't give a shit. Yeah, it's just the fact that the military flew him there. That is, that completely gets rid of my suspension of disbelief. Like 100% yeah. out the window. I do not give a fuck about this anymore. Yeah, so... He goes back to that town. It is now on fire. There's yeah. a large exodus of people just trying to get the hell out of there. Yeah, because, you know, Vietnam. And yeah. The U.S. is pulling out. They're not going to be there anymore, and everyone knows yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, he goes back, and he finds the rich man, and he's like, yo, you remember me? And the rich man is like, blah, 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 blah. 
But like, how about all this Viet- money? How about Viet- actual Vietnamese words? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think he was speaking French at that point. I don't, I don't know. I, ca- I can't. I couldn't tell you. I was not paying enough attention to what he was trying to say. But yeah, it's like, Michael's like, bam, a bajillion dollars that I have. Oh, well, he probably took it from Stevie like a yeah, dick. Yeah, I think he took Stevie, that money that Stevie had. Although Stevie didn't really care. So. Stevie also didn't want it. So. Yeah. Yeah, so he's, and then the rich guy's like, okay, I got a boat. And they, uh. <laughs> they take a boat ride it's like down. A, it, to yeah, find they this place. like in like a Venice boat ride down. Yeah, 100%. And then it's this weird place, and they're like, I can't let you in. Money. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> then. It makes the world go around. It's still Russian roulette, but more illegal now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's somehow more illegal Russian roulette. So once again, plot convenience on that end is just like, oh well, with the war ending, there's not. Yeah, it's, now it's harder to get these games going. <laughs> yeah, with the U.S. leaving, now it's really <laughs> hard. So they do that. Uh, there's two unrelated characters. No one gives a shit. They play Russian roulette, and then it gets to uh, Michael sees. Nick? Nick. Nick's broken. He doesn't care. He doesn't even want to acknowledge Michael. But he acts like he just doesn't remember Michael at this point. But that's the thing. I feel like he mostly doesn't. I guess if if it's five years, maybe. And he was already broken. He couldn't even remember his parents' birth dates, which is apparently something you're supposed to know. Back in 75, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, he doesn't remember a lot of stuff. Something broke in his brain. All he knows is he wants to die. How would he be sending money back? I hate it. I actually hate the last 30 minutes of this movie. Unless the rich guy is just a super ch- cool guy and is like, oh, you know, I like, remember. Hey, whenever, yeah, whenever he first uh, <laughs> yeah, whenever he first started doing this, he wanted me to send all the money to this guy, so I'm just going to keep sending all the money to this guy. It's the, so Michael can't break through, so it is now Nick's turn to Russian roulette. Michael's like, I will give you all this money to let me fight him in Russian roulette because that's the only possible way this could end. <laughs> it is at this scene. If you didn't realize the bandana thing, maybe it would have more tension. But man, Michael sure <laughs> isn't wearing a bandana. Yep. <laughs> and Nick sure is. Yep. So Which... it's pretty easy to see exactly what's going to happen in this scene. Yeah. I do have a little bit of a fun fact about uh, this scene, though. Things I find that were just kind of funny about this. Uh, you can tell that, like, you know, um, Christopher Walken, his eyes are more sunken in. He's a bit more pale. He's very dirty. Yeah, he looks very dirty and everything. He's all Appar- fucked up. Yeah. Apparently, to get the look that he had for, like, this ending of the scene, he just had a very strict diet of uh, rice, water, and bananas to get that look. Oh, yeah, that seemed weird okay. to me. He could have that look with makeup. Yeah. yeah. It, it just felt weird to me that he did that. Because another thing is, like, his lips are usually very red, and then they're really brown. Yeah. It's yeah. like he's dehydrated. Which I think the whole idea is to make it seem like he was addicted to heroin, because you take a quick look at his arm, and there's, like, a bunch of pockmarks that are bruised. Is that what it was? I thought... Yeah. I yeah, just thought I he was, like, whipped yeah, for whatever reason. Yeah, I had no reason. idea what that was. That, that's what I thought it was, at least. It doesn't really say what it is. It just shows that his arm's all fucked up. Fair enough. Um, and then um, also, like, that scene where, like, he's trying to, like, make him remember that he's Michael and he spits in his face. Apparently, the director told Christopher Walken to actually spit on his face and Robert De Niro wasn't expecting it. So oh, that reaction okay. that he has is very genuine, which I thought was just kind of funny. Yeah, because you're not supposed like, to spit on people. No, you're not. Like, apparently, he almost walked off the set that day after that, which is very, like, I probably would have, too. Yeah, that's fucking annoying. Yeah. But it is the final showdown Oh man, who will win? Nick with the bandana or Michael? 
I think the main idea of this scene, though, too, was meant to show, like, Michael is just desperately yeah, trying, he's trying to get, to get him. to him, and he can't. And, like, it's so just kind of like this desperate struggle of almost like fighting an inevitable war, trying to save someone that you can't save. Yeah, and then Nick's... So there's two clicks. Uh, thing is, you know, in the beginning, Michael's all, like, fucking, we can make it through Russian roulette. But now he's like, I sure don't want to play Russian roulette anymore. But, you know, Nick's playing... So there's two clicks, and then it's Nick's turn. Michael tries to be like, come on, man. You remember the mountains and the hunting? And Nick's like... And how like, much you love the trees going up there? Yeah, and Nick says, ha, ha, one shot. And he takes the shot. Yeah, puts the gun to his head, pulls the trigger, blows his own brains out. And Michael- After apparently eight years, he finally loses Russian roulette. Yeah. <laughs> he met his Russian roulette match. The only only possible way I could see this making sense is if earlier they established you can chicken out. That is the only way it can make sense, but they don't establish that. There's no reason to believe that's the case, because literally, every time someone dies. Yeah. So clearly, fucking Nick is a god. (laughs) (laughs) But not as much as Michael, because Michael has protagonist powers. Yeah. No, I I think that Nick was like, ha, finally, I get to see Michael, I can kill myself. He's clearly... A third world being. He he controls the Russian roulette. He has fixed every match somehow. I don't know. I'm so tired of this idea of Russian roulette. Me too. So, takes Nick home. Keeps his promise of not leaving Nick there. Funeral happens. And everybody goes back to the bar. The whole group of everybody who's still left alive goes back to the bar. Eats breakfast. Drink coffee, take some breakfast shots, and then that's just where the movie decides to end. They si- well, they sing. Uh, they sing "God Bless America," and yeah. then they have like one last toast to Nick, at the, or at the very end of the movie. I think I wish they just cut it like when they were singing "God Bless America," and then just start rolling the credits. I think that would have really like done this weird dichotomy of like, well, you know, America, but also God, our friend's dead because of the war that we shouldn't even been in. Like, I think the toast to Nick's a little too, like, far. Like, I agree. I agree, actually. That's, yeah. That would be a good cut. But also, something I brought with the credits, I might as well say here, you could tell they clearly just wanted it to end at a certain part of the song because there are, like, <laughs> big old strips of nothing and giant text so they can really scroll. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> they He 100% just had, like, this is, when the end, this is when the song ends, so this is how long these credits have to be. I did not watch the credits. I was <laughs> very, very done with it by the time it was over. <laughs> it was, Robbie, do you got any last-minute fun facts that you couldn't squeeze in? Uh, there was a couple. Um, one of the biggest ones for me, at least, was, uh, I guess, Robert De Niro uh, explained in 2003 that that scene where he goes to visit Steven and you know sees him in the wheelchair, he says that that was one of the most emotional scenes that he's ever had to film, and I guess while discussing it during his... AFI Life Achievement Award. He broke down in tears talking about that scene. Hmm. And he also said this movie was the most physically draining or the physically demanding movie he's ever done. So emotionally and physically, this is the most draining movie he's ever done in his career. I could see physically. I mean, I guess emotionally, yeah. He had to put himself in that place to be able to say these lines. And And that's the thing is like Robert De Niro is very much a method actor. Like before uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and christian bale like he was the guy who did all the crazy stuff to prepare for roles and for him the, this is apparently the most like 
one of the most, if not the most intense movie he's ever had to film. I feel like it almost all would be revolving around the director, though. Probably. Like, the director seemed like he was just a fucking dickhead. Yeah, he seemed like a bad person. Yeah. Let's go ahead and do our final thoughts and ratings. How's that sound? Yeah. Great idea. All right. I'll kick us off because I always do, I guess, because I am the <laughs> titular last one in for <laughs> 99% of these. Uh, I'll go with the, my rating first. I've just, I had seven in my mind the entire time, so I think I'm going to stick with seven. Okay. That seems fair. I think, again, I don't think this is a bad movie. I think there's a lot of cool aspects to this movie. I don't think it executes it very well. And it's not like, like there are a lot of movies I say this about where I can like pinpoint specific parts. I think this just had a lot of little bad choices that ended up rolling into a big one. Kind of snowballed. Yeah. Like there, uh, there are two specific things I would change about the movie. If given time, I would not have the wedding scene on that long and I would not use Russian roulette. I think other than that, there's not a lot I would change about the movie like any significantly um i think the dialogue is really interesting in this movie i think they have really good back and forth between characters it feels really natural yeah and i would not say i was ever bored listening to the characters which is a good thing because sometimes with movies this long i do get tired of listening to the characters um de- again still it's way too long it does not need to be it's this way long too long <laughs> the director sounds awful yeah i am glad he does not get he did not get much after that I I feel like when the when Nick and Michael looked at each other deeply into each other's eye, I feel like that sort of symbolized that they got together in the end, but that didn't. <laughs> I think there is an interesting idea there. It, honestly, in general, I think there's a lot of interesting ideas they could have done in this movie that they didn't, but also they would have been different movies. So yeah, I can't yeah. really say that they should have taken those unless they wanted to do a different movie, unless they wanted to do a movie where at the start they're like, he's a faggot. And then, oh, wow, he actually was gay in the end, and uh, the characters, that one guy's still a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a cool movie. I don't ever want to watch it again. I honestly, I still don't know if I would say I like the movie. I appreciate a lot of parts the movie does. I think that's the most I can say about that in my enjoyability. I honestly think this might be one of the hardest movies to rank on my personal ranking of movies we've seen just because it's so all over the place with my thoughts about it. And there we go. That's that. I think that encapsulates everything I wanted to say. Okay. Uh, Sam, I'm interested in your final thoughts here. <laughs> you did say you had a lot that you wanted to say about this movie. Yeah. Um, I've already said a little bit. Um, so you kind of know my opinion. Like, But I said, like I said, rather, this movie actually should have been named Russian Roulette instead of Deer Hunter, because there's more Russian Roulette than Deer Hunting in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) It is an Oscar bait movie. And this is a thought I had in my mind since pretty much the beginning. (laughs) So even though I have, like all of these things to say about it i i don't like it but i don't think it's a bad movie it is well acted the interactions between the characters seem realistic it has an it has an all-star cast and i think it's shot well it looks fine looks great soundtrack is fine whatever 
we've already gone through the whole like content and all the flaws about that but that's not what this is about this is basically just about how i don't like this type of music or movie <laughs> i feel like it was just made to appeal to a certain audience a prestigious film critic types you sort of fit into that category Jariah. um you seem to like and watch the Oscar bait type of movies more than I ever would. I'm just saying that a ghost story is maybe a masterpiece. Sure is a movie. <laughs> I still need to watch it. <laughs> yeah, so because it like appeals to a certain type of people, which is like whatever film critic types, it's not really my thing because I'm more into like the low budget independent films that are not trying to appeal to somebody. And they take more, I guess, artistic merit, I guess. I don't know. With their films. Um, Not just art for art's sake. Yeah. And I I realize I sound like pretentious hipster, but this is... (laughs) It's your opinion. (laughs) You can be a pretentious hipster if you want. Yeah. (laughs) So I can appreciate it it and... um, respect it as a perfectly good movie, but it is too long. I do not have the attention span for it. Halfway through, I had to take a break because I was like, uh, when is this going to be over with? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, so did we, but it wasn't because we needed a break. It's because we just wanted to eat some tacos. I will say, <laughs> when we took that break, I saw that we were an hour 37 in. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. a little painful. Like like I said, it could have ended like after the war and it would have been just fine to me. Yeah. If you are to watch it, are going to watch it, probably like watch it in sections. Unless you like have the patience and attention span for this kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> then but I just can't. I can't do it. Um So what would you rate it? I got everything out of this movie that I could have gotten out of it. And I wasn't even really paying attention to it. <laughs> honestly. I'm like, I'm not going to lie about it. I just wasn't. And actually, I'm super surprised that the the like last half of the movie didn't take us so long to actually talk about. Because it felt like it took forever to watch. <laughs> And that's, and the reason probably why it didn't take us that long to talk about it is because nothing really happens. You're not wrong. It could have done, it could have done without all of most of it. <laughs> like, honestly. Yeah. That is my opinion. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a gnaw for me, Doug. I will give it. I'll give it a soft 6.5. Okay. Um, That leads it off to me, I suppose. Along with both of you, I can really appreciate a lot about this movie. I think the cinematography is fantastic. Like I was saying throughout the whole time we were watching, I would love to see a remaster of this movie in 4K without having to watch it again, though. On in the background instead. Just and seeing... just see a couple images from it. Because there is some beautiful mountainous shots in oh, yeah. this. Like, the scenes in the cabin, wherever they're up in the mountains and everything, seeing that in 4K HDR would be 
gorgeous. It would be incredible. I, like you guys said again, the character work in it, everybody feels so natural. It feels like you could walk two blocks down the street and meet some of these people. It's incredible how natural they feel. Whether you like those characters or not, that's another story. I think after the first Russian roulette incident, I hate this movie. (laughs) I appreciate a lot of the things that it's doing, but I cannot accept so many of the problems that happen in it. Not only story-wise, but the fact that it drops so many of its themes from early on in the movie without ever explaining any of it. It just uses these quick cuts to mask the fact that now characters are completely different. And it just uses, like, well, war, right? And, like, that's why they're completely different. But it never justifies why anybody is different. They just now are. And I feel like there's not a transition point. There's no transition scene. It's just now they were this, and now they are this. And that's it. And I feel like the movie never is able to justify the that the character motives behind any of it. I, I really, really don't like that. I feel like it dropped the ball in that department quite a bit. I I wish this movie was just that first act with a shortened wedding scene and some of the third act without the Russian roulette. It's it's really, really, really hard for me to recommend this movie because even though I keep saying I want to see it in 4K, I will never watch this movie again. There is no possible chance in hell I could ever watch this movie again. It is too long, it's too long-winded, and it does not give a fuck about my time. That is one of the things I hate in any media. Music, television, video games, movies. If I feel like the creator isn't justifying its length, then it is actively trying to fuck my time. And I don't have enough of that for, it to, for me to let it fuck it. And that is the worst thing that something can do. So, I can appreciate a lot about this movie, but it is a five. I cannot recommend people watch it. If you have to, if you have to, have to, have to watch this movie, rent it. That's it. Sit through it. Have an opinion. Get out and never think about this thing again. Because that's what I hope to do. Man, that movie. Robbie, you got to take it from here. I'm getting a, I'm getting, getting heated. <laughs> You're getting heated in an already hot room. This is how I felt when I was actually watching the movie. <laughs> and I guess I'm the odd one out. Like, I did like this movie, but um, I do agree with you. Like, the movie is very flawed. It is far too long. If I was a person who edited this movie, it would be two hours long. And that wedding scene be maybe 20 minutes. It would go, it would then cut to them coming back from the war and people not knowing why they're messed up. And then like little snippets of what happened to them at Vietnam leading up to that final scene. If anything, I probably would have like mixed in that scene of Nick and Michael having that uh, duel off at the end mixed in with the scene of them when they had their initial duel off with the uh, Russian roulette while they're still prisoners. It does rely way too heavily on symbolism. It makes it, it makes it to where you have to already know what they're going through to make that scene work, kind of thing. Which I do agree with that. That is flawed. 
but that's what he was trying to do is the whole idea of this movie was three men dealing with PTSD in different ways. And that's what they were trying to do. And apparently it didn't work for everybody. And that's totally understandable, but it's one of those things, like I said, this movie, did it get a lot of praise? Yes. And it, in a lot of ways deserved that praise. Did it get a lot of criticism? Yes. And it totally deserved that. Like the fact that it's to the point of making the Viet Cong sadomasochist to a point to where it's honestly racist in a way. Yeah. And like, it didn't need to go that far, but it felt like it needed to, to try to push its point across. And then it just keeps nailing this point down. It's, uh, it's almost like with that movie brothers that I showed you, if the scenes, wherever they were in the prison together, if those torture scenes just played out over and over again, he kept on just like seeing hot pokers everywhere whenever he came back home. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So is it flawed? Yes. But I still think it's a good movie. Is it one of the best movies ever made? No, but it's still a good movie in my opinion. And honestly, like for me, like I did enjoy watching it. I, I would want to say it's an eight. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. This was a fun discussion. For yeah. Me. I was gonna say, that's one thing that I like about this is that we can have differing opinions and still respect those differing opinions. And the fact that we can have that conversation between all of us and, you know, say what we did and didn't like and point, have these different points of view of it. Like, that's what I like about this too. Yeah. It's fun. But yeah, that was all of our takes. All of us have a very different opinion about this movie. Awesome. Well, that does it for the discussion on this movie then. Yeah. Um, If you guys have any opinions on the episode or the movie or any movie or anything, you want to give us your thoughts on anything, you can get a hold of us on our Facebook and Twitter, The Last Ones In. Or you can email us at thelastonesinpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that email is the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was fun. Thank you guys for being here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having this conversation. I really enjoyed this. Me too. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for showing up again, Sam. We You're love having you here. <laughs> You're enjoyable. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> we like the pagan and- influence. <laughs> E, thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm here. Robbie. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we will talk to you guys next week where we're going to be taking a look at a fan request episode, actually. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. Yeah. This is a movie none of us have seen yet. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great week. Stay safe out there. Remember, stay alone. Stay alive. Have a good one. Stay on jive. And fuck it, we're doing it live. <laughs> we have a finite um, amount of recording. Say something, Sam. Anything, anything, please. Fine. <laughs> <laughs>yeah like that's the thing about army recruiters that i found out is like especially during times of war they will say anything to get you to sign that paper to yep. like i'll be like what are the benefits they're like pussy every night i'm like oh i'm out gross and yeah. they're like i meant dicks every <laughs> night and i'm like hmm just <laughs> <laughs> gonna have fun clearing this whole part out and it's like why would you ever buy this yeah yeah <laughs> Because it's Disney and they will fucking try to squeeze every cent out of you. Yeah. Because yeah. people, they know that people's kids will see it. And they'll be like, oh, Wait. Molly, let me have this now.
And then I'll buy it for them so they can make them stop crying. Then you're like, no. Sounds like me and Liz. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to, but just realize it's it's a thing. But E, what if penis? Hmm. (laughs) What if Michael and Nick touched penises? Would you be okay with that? Do they like fuse by doing that? Yeah, like Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, so then they're that character with two penises (laughs) (laughs) fighting off all the Viet Cong as one person. (laughs) 